Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right, everybody. Hey, greats, when I say grace, not this time, but next time. But not this time. When I say Grace, not this time, but next time, you fill in your last name. Okay. Okay, we're joined by Grace Sturdivant, an audiologist and the founder of Auto Pro. Here to talk about, among many other things, um, is it Auto or Odo? It's Odo. 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 But I didn't want to interrupt you right off the bat. Odo Pro. <laughs> we're talking about souped up. Uh, um, souped up hearing protection and what happens to your ears when you a lifetime of gun shooting or a few weekends of being in a duck blind and then your body rips one (laughs) across your ear and then for the next couple of days it's like (laughs) and you're thinking man that probably did something but i don't know like what did it do you want that now no later okay i'm just teeing it up I'll point out, too, that Grace was just telling that she's no stranger to uh, microphones because you used to do what now? <laughs> I hosted the Midday Motown and 60s Classic show on Star 92.3 FM Grenada. Nice. Like Grenada down in? Mississippi. Oh, so not where Noriega. No. Oh, okay. 90 miles south of Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. Um, was that a paid gig? Oh, yeah. And it was awesome because I sold um, ads for the radio station. So I'd go around to all my friends' parents that had small businesses in Grenada, and we'd put together some... You know, cheesy, fun commercials for them. And then I got residuals off that check in the mail at college 
for like the next year. Were you were you wow. wanting to be a were you wanting to be a media like a like a media professional? I've always been into music, and growing up, I was around like old music. I'm an Elvis fan, so I mean, it was kind of when I heard about this gig at the radio station. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool, and I've just never been a stranger to the microphone. Did you um, know? and now you're definitely no stranger to the headphones. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. You being an Elvis fan was your fa- uh, like. Is there like a connection between your name being Grace and Graceland and all no, that? No, okay, I was that's named just, after that's a great co- that's yeah. And on the other side of my family, my, I was named after a woman on my dad's side of the family. On my mom's side of the family, my grandmother, who's still living, is a huge Elvis fan and would take me to Graceland. And she actually met Elvis once in his driveway. Is that right? Yeah. Um, how? What was the moment? What, you're, you're so you're doing. You're like a radio DJ. And then you're like, no, I'm going to go to med school or whatever they call it. What do they call it? <laughs> Audiology school. Audiology it's through the medical school. center at Vanderbilt. But what was that? What was that decision? That like? aha moment. Well, honestly, was you like, you know, in I fact, know I, do, I, I do want to make some money. The or radio was gig was when I was in school at the College of Charleston, which my dad still calls my two-year beach vacation. Okay. Um, I was, I was all, I didn't know what I wanted to do. At one point, I was biology. At one point, I was communications. I did some music classes, and then. Um, I as I got serious about my life, what I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to be a speech pathologist. Mm-hmm. My mom is a speech language pathologist, and I've always liked just the way she's been able to balance her, you know, being a mom and working in different capacities. And I thought, well, I could do that. And then through those classes, I watched a documentary about a kid that received a cochlear implant who'd been born deaf. And this little girl, she was working with the audiologist after about two weeks after her surgery. You meet with the audiologist who programs and activates and turns on the implant for the first time. And this little girl who had never heard sound before, had never experienced sound, the audiologist got everything all programmed. And then this gr- little girl's mom was standing behind her. And the audiologist goes, okay, everybody be really quiet. I'm going to turn it on. Mom, I want you to say her name. And even though the kid had no meaning associated with that sound, mm-hmm. As a mother now, I think about that and like it still gives me chills oh, because yeah. her, the mom, fa- her face just lit up. Mom guessing, says yeah. the kid's name and the kid's head just like whips around. And the mom, of course, is like, oh, my baby. <laughs> but I can, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. can you imagine? And so then that, that just triggered it. And as in my anatomy and physiology classes, like I'm still, I will nerd out about the neuroscience of how we hear mm-hmm. and how you hear with mm-hmm. your brain. And this part on the, that hangs off the edge of your, your head is just the transducer. You got to have it sent to the brain in a, contact, uh, in, a, in a signal that has good integrity and then your brain has to process it or else it's useless. As a, um, as a teaser for what's to come, I'm going to lay out our, just for our eye, just to protect our IP, mm-hmm. Grace. Mm-hmm. Grace is going to develop... Um, we're, we're just doing a hearing test. And yeah. Grace is going to develop a thing called... I'm trying to think what we should call it. It's a work, this is a working name. The Gobbletron. The Gobbletron. Gobbletron. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think, I think so. you're stealing that from Parker. Oh, no, I stole that, didn't I? Either way, she's going to develop a hearing test thing where you have five, six people are all able to put on headphones. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to, instead of doing the normal hearing test, like bing, bing. Pure tones. She's going to put in like a pileated, you'll hear a pileated woodpecker. You'll hear a creak. You'll hear a bunch of peepers. You'll hear a green frog ripping. Okay. And then ever so faintly. (laughs) Right. And it'll, you'd be able to measure and test who's best at hearing gobbles. 
And make it into like a game show. And make it into a game show. What do you win? That's a good question. Maybe some of those, uh, maybe a jar of uh, Chester's uh, Forest Floor Foods pickled uh, baby corns. There you go. Or maybe maybe the winner <laughs> gets to go hunting with you to help you hear the birds. Oh, yeah. That'd be a great way for me to find good assets. That's right. My kid was, we'll move on real quick, but my kid was getting good. He, like he can hear gobbles like a son of a bitch. You Is know? this James? Yeah, I they feel can like all, I know him after yeah, your book. They can all hear gobbles. He got, but he got drunk on the um, accolade. Got drunk on the. What am I trying? To, what's the woman trying to say? Got drunk on the praise. Mm-hmm. So now he's off in the other direction of <laughs> everything's a gobble because he likes to be the guy that heard the gobble. So now he's a little trigger happy. So in our training test, like, when you when like, you hit the like, buzzer, I hear like clearly a pileated woodpecker. There's one. There's one. Right. I'm like, no, man. Now you're like like everybody else now. <laughs> so now when we're doing our auditory training for the the gobbler and noise test or whatever we're going to call it, if if he's in the room and if, when you press the button and there wasn't really a gobbler there, you get like a shock. Oh, that's a great idea. That you like put a on negative a shock, reinforcement. You put on a shock bracelet too. Yeah. So if you say you heard one and you didn't really hear one, oh, man. put that in your next kid's book. You could train some great kids with all this kind of equipment, man. That might have, <laughs> that, that might have a negative impact, though, because if you really think no, you, you heard shock one. Him when, no, you shock him. If you play a real one and he doesn't tag it, he gets shocked. He gets shocked for false alarms. Oh, man. No, you'd have a great turkey hunter. This sounds like dog training. Yeah. I mean, it's what Very it is. Similar, and then later right? when he gets older, you get him some therapy and he goes about his business. And Okay. <laughs> Corinne's not here, but she has a note that we should talk about the flooding. No, she asked. It was oh. in there as a question, <laughs> oh. and I answered yes. Oh. It is right now, but won't be when you're listening to this, flooding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it's, I, <laughs> it's the the CFS on the Yellowstone right now is the highest it's ever been recorded. Yeah, is that right? Yep. And last year was over fifty thousand. And last year was one of the lowest years on record. Yeah, it's crazy. I think last year the Upper Missouri flows was like the low. I don't know. It was, remember we were driving over it, and we were looking up the flows last year because mm-hmm. it, it was like zero. The the fishing went from like spring runoff to like no water to drought. To, to no water and rocks not everywhere. If you're if you're in Gardner, Montana right now, there's currently not a road that you can leave the town. Speaking of that, my aunt... But the water's starting to drop. Like, you either have to fly out of there in a helicopter or walk. You cannot drive a car from Yeah, the Gardner. road is toast. It's yeah. gone. My aunt but is But it's crested now and coming down, right? I think it fell a foot already, but... Yeah, the, so I'm looking at it right now on the USGS site. Um, in 19... 19- 96, it was the max, um, probably mm. 31,000. That, that was the year I moved to Montana. 31,100 cubic feet per second. And as of yesterday, I'm just looking at Livingston, so it was a little higher upstream at Corwin, um, which doesn't really make any sense. But in Livingston right now, it's um, – a skosh, it's like right around 30,000 cubic feet per second. And yesterday in Livingston, it got up to 40,000 cubic feet per second, which is just hard for people to understand. But it no, is, I can explain it to understand. It's unreal. Here's what, here's what it is. I figured this out when I was working on a book one time, just how to express it. What is it again? CFS? 
Right now, it's close to 30,000. Yesterday, when it peaked, it was around 40,000. Okay, that would be that in this amount of time, between me going this and this, or this and this, 30,000 soccer balls rolled past. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. 30,000 soccer balls. And they're, it's like <laughs> water's obviously heavier than a soccer ball, so it'd be like a soccer ball filled with... You know, Filled with water. water. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling past. But it's down... Okay, so just, keep in mind that at this point, like this won't come out and this will all be over, but keep that in mind. When when you... Like if we got our... Phil didn't like it, but our interest dial, right? The collective audience interest dial is just plummeting um, <laughs> because the flood's over. What was the highest? I have a vested interest here because I'm very worried about our little property being accessible. What was the highest this year in no, no, Livingston? No. no, it crested at what in Livingston? In Livingston, it crested around 40,000. At what time? Um, it was yesterday evening. So probably right before it started to cool off at night, um, it, it was the highest. And it was due to all this w water on the Yellowstone is due to we had a very cold spring, late spring, and a lot of snowpack late. So it snowed a lot this spring. But not just that, but raining like the Dickens. Yeah, yeah. so it was like a combination of that cold spring and then all of a sudden warm weather and rain and runoff from the rain and snowpack all hit at one big shebang. And it's not good for Red Lodge and some certain areas. Yellowstone this summer, we very impacted with tourism. Um, the fishing on the Yellowstone could be really interesting because these boat ramps and oh, those stuff boat ramps are going to be gone, are going to yeah. be destroyed. Mm. Uh, mm. I always say, my father liked to say, don't curse the darkness, light a candle. So I'm going to point out. Um, this is my note here. Yeah, I'm going to point out Yanni's note that uh, you know how Spencer likes to go rock hounding? Yeah. And how I like to find crazy bones eroding out of the riverbanks. Mm -hmm. Telling you what, sonny boy. Going to be some new shit showing up when yep. the water drops. Yep. And, yeah. And, and currently, including I'll probably find some of my stuff. I'll probably find some of my stuff from up in, that I left up on my little property somewhere down river. Spencer will find I'll be like, hey, there's my shovel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And currently these reservoirs that are, you know, 20 plus feet low right now are starting to fill up. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. You got to look. I yeah, mean, there's good. some positives for Let's sure, it. but also some big negatives. Did they had to evacuate the hospital in Livingston yesterday. Like half of Red Lodge was underwater. You know, it's people are getting hurt. So, yeah. They had to, I didn't know they evacuated the hospital. Yeah. We were getting stopped going up Trail Creek by the sheriff. Um, they had it closed to any uh, non essential. Like, if you didn't live, Yep. On Trail Creek, you couldn't go through because they were trying to just keep the traffic down in case they had to evacuate through Trail Creek because it's the only other way out if 89 shuts down. You yeah. Know? Yeah, hopefully folks are okay. Well, I I, 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 I haven't heard of any, I haven't heard of any fatalities. casualties. Yeah. Or, no. Uh, speaking of water, that was a good transition. <laughs> you guys are kicking ass at the walleye tournament. So you guys far, like genuine pro walleye anglers. <laughs> How much say, money did you win this time? Uh, I forget what the total was this time, but we're, our total 
up right now is at $1,900. Jeez, Louise, you're not even going to need to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't, we're not, we're not keeping these winnings. Like we're donating. No, no, yeah, but you're donating all your winnings. But, but we you did. guys are like legit. Because on this show, just to give people a bit, little background here, uh, Seth and Chester are aspiring amateur, were aspiring amateur walleye tournament anglers. Fair? Yep. Mm-hmm. And they decided to start out their tournament career by participating in the Montana leg of the walleye tour. So Montana has four summer tourneys mm-hmm. and they roll into one mega tourney in the montana how do you guys put how do you guys put that yeah yeah it's the, the montana cir- circuit montana has more than just four tournaments throughout the year but okay there's like a fort peck circuit where all four i think it's four tournaments something like that are on just fort peck okay there's the montana circuit which is fresno canyon ferry fort peck and tiber um so you guys are enrolled in the montana in, circuit but yes. not any particular reservoir circuit Correct. Okay. Yeah, we're in the Montana circuit. We fished. Uh, it's the Crooked Creek tournament that was at Fort Peck this year because the water's too low to fish out of. And on that Crooked one, Creek. well, I want I want to give more background. I was back where you were aspiring. Yeah, they were aspiring walleye turner tournament fishermen. The problem is they didn't have a boat. Yep. We um. Can I take some? Can I? Can the, not me, but can the show take some credit? Yeah. We lobbied quite heavily. To 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 get you guys backing in a boat, and Alumacraft hooked us up with an yeah. awesome competitor, sixteen or eighteen and a half footer, um, with one fifty mercury on the back. So they got a sponsorship pack. They got backed backing from Alumacraft, Hummingbird backing from Hummingbird Minkota. Got their boat fitted out. Yep. Went to their first tournament at Fort Peck and finished day one in at eight, number eight. Yep, number eight, day one. Out boat. of how many boats? 73? 73. 74, something just, like that? Yeah, just a little bit over 70. And then finished the tournament overall at 17. Mm-hmm. You were hoping to come in, I think you were hoping, you were saying it'd be great if we could land in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did the second tourney at yep. Fresno. Yep. Finished day one at. Can I start with, uh, back up a little bit with Fresno? Oh, yeah, Fresno? I don't care. Yeah. And. Are you going to go all the way back to when it wasn't there? No. <laughs> like just, to the Pleistocene? No, just oh. when we, just, uh, just Seth and I is like, thinking and time, how this tournament the typically is. The Willie Mammoth. The Willie Mammoth, bro. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, anyways, no, I won't go no, that ba- far. No, back up as far as you want. Yeah. So, I see you guys are all decked out in your Fort Peck yeah, Marina we didn't, hoodies. We didn't uh, we plan that. Plan this out. It's got, you got little uniforms yeah, on. We no, just, we didn't plan <laughs> <laughs> We just have the same clothes all the time. And Anyways. I like uh, the people that work here that you could tell dress off the free table, like, which <laughs> <Yeah>. includes me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, everybody I know wears free clothes. Oh, yeah. It's great. Would you guys buy those shirts? We yeah, did. we bought these. Oh, yeah. good for you. Yeah. yeah, we bought them. They're nice. The new, the new guy, Chili. He's at, that hasn't been here that long. Dude's like totally decked out from the free table. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> like full lifetime supply of t-shirts. <laughs> um, so we had an amazing tournament. I'm going to start out with that, and uh, it, we were just 
everything aligned. But backing up to this Fresno tournament, looking at weights prior, as far as the the total weight of fish people are catching for this tournament was around 20 pounds would be right up there in the top five. And that is, but explain that to me because that's so, like, because you're, you're bound by the bag limit, right? Right. You, okay. So every day in these tournaments, you can weigh in on your weigh card five fish. So two anglers, this is what confused me early on that I didn't realize. Two anglers are only fishing for one like state limit. Right. Five fish. Between Seth and I, we can only weigh in five fish for Why the day. is it not why is it that because they don't give a shit about the bag limit. It's just like it's a five fish tournament and has nothing to do with like the legal bag limit set by the state. Kind correct? of standard yeah. for tournament fishing. Okay. Yeah. So that they don't like if if you were allowed twenty walleyes on some lake, it'd be five for the tournament. Right. Five per boat. I yep. got it. Okay. And there's two days. So you can at the end of those two days there's ten fish and usually the top five in this tournament that we just got done with will win it with twenty around twenty pounds. So uh, so they're submitting ten they're they're submitting fish at a two pound average. Yep, yeah. roughly. That's uh, like th- that strikes me as not impressive. Yeah, well it's it's not a it's not a lake where there is a ton of big fish. Yeah, it depends like the Fort Peck tournament, uh I think last well, I forget what this year was. Ninety six Pounds for the overall. Well, yeah, what was the overall for at Fort Peck? Not ninety six, was it? It was I, a lot. I thought it was ninety some pounds. Some dude came in with ten nine plus pounders. Yeah, um, I thought it was eighty pounds. But well, it was la- somewhere on there. I anyway, must, last I year must have been fishing crawlers. Last year was ninety some pounds. Won it. At, yeah. four, at, at Packer. Yeah. This this year was, I don't, I don't remember what this year was. Yeah. I'll, I thought it was up there in the 90s too. Anyhow, go on, Chester. Um, so, yeah, we, we were going into this tournament up at Fresno being like, if we can get double digits each day, we're going to be real happy. Mm-hmm. But the problem with this year is the water is so low. Up there, they're, they're still in a drought. And it's not a very big lake. So we were go- going up there expecting there to be over 50 boats in a small body of water. And it was going to be bumper boats. So it was going to be, meaning there's going to be boats close to you the whole tournament. And historically, first day people catch fish. Second day of the tournament, it gets a little tougher. Because the fish are burned out. Fish are a little burned out from people practicing before the derby, and then that first tournament day, they really hammer them. So, 74 pounds wanted this year. Which is um, at Fort Peck. At Fort Peck. You guys are, I'm sitting here, and I'm getting confused. Okay. Sorry. Fort Peck was 74 pounds. Fort Peck was yep. 74 pounds. Yep. Okay. So, I'm talking about Fresno here. So, we're going up there, thinking it's going to be bumper boats. We're thinking, we got to catch just in the double digits, and we're going to be happy. We show up, and we pre-fish or practice for two days and we realize that there's a lot of fish in the lake we found some spots um we didn't really catch any big ones but what we did find was a unique bite meaning we headed north farther than anybody in we were fishing in the mud meaning you drop your leech down and it disappears after about two inches so there was about two inches of visibility in this 
little spot that we found. And which is great. We were catching some fish in there and there's no one around us. And now I can hand it off. How many, how many boats? Uh, there's 56 boats okay. come tournament day. Now I'll hand it off to Seth and he can. Over to you, Seth. Um, yeah. So tournament day, our, we draw number 13 and they started, um, they like randomly pick a number. Tell where, me what that means. Where they, so you get assigned a, a boat number. Okay. Um, and it's like one through whatever, how many, however many boats there are. So one through 56, we happen to draw 13. And then out of those numbers, they randomly draw a number to start. So it's not a shotgun start. No, everyone, it's like a single file line start. I see. Um, so boat number 14 got drawn to start first. So it goes 14, 15, 16, 17. Oh, so you got last. So we got our first day, we were the last boat out. And you don't get to stay longer then. Uh, no, you this you do on this one. Half an hour longer. Half an hour okay. longer. Yeah, Got half it. half the field checked in at four on the first day, and the other half checked in at four thirty. Okay. Um, when you're waiting in that line, when you're at the end of a fifty-six boat lineup, how long does it take for everybody to like like from if it's a seven a.m. start? When are you actually throttling up? Maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, if that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're last boat to go out. And we were like, well, all of it's, you know, small, small lake, all of our spots that were like mid lake in the, in the clear water, we were like, there's definitely going to be boats on them. Um, and there was this sweet point right next to the boat ramp right there that was throwing a mud line when the wind would pick up and mud lines and walleye fishing are like, like when you see mud. Um, that it's like a good place to start fishing because those fish it's you, like Seth and Kels. They utilize that mud line to like you know hunt and yep. whatnot. But you, um, you obviously just see it. Yeah, you can see it with your with your you know with your eye. You can see it in the water. And uh, so everyone takes off. All the boats start heading up, um, like mid lake, and we just kind of go up, loop around, and go right to the boat ramp. And we're there was people, there was like kids right at the boat ramp the day before, like catching nice walleye off the, off the dock, basically. Really? Yeah. So we're like, well, we're just going to hit that since all of our spots up like further north, we're, we're going to be taken. Um, what's the etiquette on that with spots being taken? Like how, on a tournament like that, if it's, you know, it's going to be bumper boats, everybody's expecting bumper boats. How mm-hmm. close can you get in until the dude's going to give you the Cat- scarecrow? Basically casting distance, casting. I would say. People get pretty close. But it's bad. That's a good. That that's. I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, like that. You're you can't block someone's ability to work the water around them. Is how you guys go by. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like dependent a, on the lake. Depending on the lake, it's kind of like a. I would say it's like an unspoken type mm-hmm. rule, but it's just like. Some like like Fresno was pretty like boats were close. Mm-hmm. Now um, let me ask you another ethics question. You were talking about kids fishing the dock. Mm-hmm. Um. You don't. You can't crowd bank fishermen, right? Would you keep that in mind, even though you're in a big money tournament? Yeah, fancy, yeah. I would treat bank tournament. fishermen just like they're in a boat. You know. Got it. Okay. Um, but anyway, we we um, as soon as we pass the start boat, we loop around and just head right back to the ramp and fish that for a little bit. And there wasn't at that time of the day the wind wasn't picked up and there wasn't a mud line right there. Mm-hmm. We fished it. Check caught uh, one fish that barely measured. Barely measured. It was like 0.8 pounds. Um, 
caught that fish, ran to a different spot. Um, did we? I think we might have caught a fish there. I don't know. It I don't wasn't remember. Good. Anyway, it wasn't good. So finally, we were like, you know what? Let's just head up north to that muddy spot and try that out. We could see on side imaging there was a bunch of fish there. As soon as you dropped the mega live, there was fish all over the place. It was just bait. Yeah, you could see bait. Um, it was just tough because you had to get that leech. We were fishing drop shot mm-hmm. and leech and slip bobber and leech. You just had to get that bait within two inches of that walleye's face for the walleye to see the, the bait and eat it, um, which was tough. And the only way you could do that basically was with using mega live or live imaging. Um, Cause you can, when you're using live imaging, you can see the fish, you can see your bait go down to the fish. And like, if I make a cast to a fish and don't see my bait go right down and land like literally inches from that fish, mm-hmm. I would reel in and cast again. Cause there's no point in letting it sit out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not spooking the shit out of it doing that. No. In uh, that mud, they're not that spooky. They're yeah. Not spook- yeah. So, um, we decided to head up North to that muddy spot and we just start fishing. We can see fish. And Seth starts hammering. And I just kind of got it. Came on fire. I just got it a little dialed where like, like I just said, I would cast to these fish and if I didn't see my bait land right in front of them, I would just reel and cast again. And I just kind of got this technique dialed in and yeah, just started hammering on fish. Um, and we, we got our five fish pretty early and then spent the rest of the day calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to go back to one thing with that in the mud, putting that bait two inches from the fish's face. Like it takes a tremendous amount of focus to be able to do that all day long. And one of the things that I think helped us is we got two guys in the boat making those perfect casts. And if it's not perfect, we're reeling in and we're staying on it all day, cast after cast after cast. So being able to have Seth doing that and myself doing that, like it's hard to do. It was hard to do and stay focused, Mm -hmm. but that's one of the things that helped us. Yeah. And the way we were kind of doing it was like, I, like the first day I was on the mega live and that, that mega live is mounted to a pole that's hanging over the side of our boat. And it comes up to uh, like an arm that's at a 90 degree angle Mm -hmm. from the pole. And like wherever that arm is pointed, that's where the transducer is pointing. Um, so like I would, it was basically like flipping docks for bass fishing, just like underhand cast, um, to these fish. And then Chester would like basically mimic, he would like try to land his bait right where I landed mine. Cause he knew I was casting to like a, a fish right there. And we would communicate like, Oh, that was too far. I'd like, if I saw the bait go over the fish, I'd be like, Oh, too far. Reel in, try it, like, try it again. Um, and yeah, you can't we, if you're too far, you can't just drag it in front of his face. You can, you can, and it, we did that, but we found that you were more successful if you just immediately landed that bait right on the fish. So those fish are moving a little. Yeah. Um. So we did that the first day, and the nice thing was there was not a single boat anywhere close to us, because I think those guys, like the guys that don't have that live imaging, they would have never been able to mm-hmm. fish those to those fish like we were and catch them they would have just been like kind of blind casting to areas where they knew they were fish and you you just had to get it so close to them that if you didn't have that live imaging you couldn't really fish to them successfully like jt van zandt puts it you got to put a mustache on them you do yeah had to put a mustache on them so 
Um, we were we were at the end of day one. We went into weigh-ins with ten point oh six pounds, Which, and in our minds, in our minds, we were like, oh, "Shit, we hit double digits. We're gonna be sitting real good for for day two. Go to weigh-ins, find out that we're sitting in seventeenth place." And we start they, seeing weights come in, and it's like some, 14 pounds, 16 pounds. One guy caught 20 pounds the first day. Yeah. So we're like, shit, you know, like <laughs> we have some, like we got to make up some some spots tomorrow. Um, but we were pretty excited because everyone was saying that with Fresno being so packed with boats on day one, those fish get pretty sore-lipped, and they're, it's a tougher bite the next day. And we're thinking in our minds – there wasn't a single boat around us. There was all these fish around us that never even saw a hook that day. Mm-hmm. So our fish up north weren't going to be sore-lipped. Like day two's time for us to make up some ground and get, get a little bit ahead of these guys that are going to be fishing to, to more finicky fish. Um, so day two. First boat. First boat to We're the out. first boat to go out. Um, seven o'clock hits, we haul ass up to our spot again, not a single boat there. I think throughout the day, there was a couple dudes that would like troll past us with planer boards. But other than that, there was no one. What depth of water was that you were fishing up there in the mud? Anywhere from like four to eight feet. Hmm. And the wind played, the wind was huge because it would pick up the, the wind would pick up, the bite would pick up. The wind would lay down, the bite would lay down. So like. It, it got pretty hot and heavy when the wind would, and then like the wind would lay down and it'd be like several hours where we would like maybe not catch a fish. And it was also a morning bite. So we knew we had a better morning bite for bigger fish. We knew we had to show up and take full advantage of that morning bite. Yep. So we show up on the second day and have our five fish limit by eight know. o'clock within an, within an hour. And decent fish decent fish too and we just start from there we just start catching fish being prepared is all about having the right tools the onx off-road map and navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional gps when you're out of service and as we all know that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. 
Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Did you talk about being catch, capture, release? Nope. So this tournament is, um, all, all these tournaments are catch, capture, and release, which means you Catch the fish, you lay it on a bump board, take a picture of it, and then release that fish. Oh, so you're not hauling them back for the big weigh-in? No. Oh, oh shit. No. Mm. And when you turn your card in, your SD card, you have to have only five fish on there. But throughout the day, we might catch 30 fish. So you have to like constantly keep going through and deleting those fish, which which is is the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. Because if you by accidentally <laughs> delete one of your big fish, you're screwed. It's like you slipped out of your hand. Yeah. Well, you got to be making a copy or something. No, it's just snap a picture and... They don't accept it like that. Yeah. Do they give you the camera? No, we, we it's our camera. They issue you an SD card, though. No, our SD card, too. Huh. Well, they... I'll, I'm assuming they got all kinds of way to they give rule you out a, any they kind give of They give you a bump board... And you don't know what number you're going to get. The bump board has a number on it. Let's okay. say it's yep. number 10. Yeah. So it's, it's, next day you might get number 15 uh, yeah, bump board. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we start calling. <laughs> At one point, I throw out a slip bobber rig. And the, the slip bobber, we just had to slip bobbers out there just because fish would just happen to run into them. You know, we weren't like specifically casting these slip bobbers to like certain fish. It was just like a bonus that thing. And we were catching a few fish on them. Real quick explanation of a slip bobber rig. A slip bobber rig is, so I'll start from the hook. You have a hook that goes up to a, a swivel. Right above that swivel is a weight to 
to drop the line down fast. And we were using bare hooks. We we found out that we were running the slip bobber rig with a little light jig, jig head and a and a leech. We found out that those fish would not eat it unless it was a bare hook. Um, they like when that leech free floats, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those leeches were real lively. Those, mm-hmm. Like look like little snakes in the water. So hook go. There's like a depends on what you want to run. I'll say a 12 inch leader up to a swivel. Above the swivel's uh, weight, and then above that weight is a bobber that your line runs through. Like you, your line runs from the top to the bottom of the bobber, and that bobber can slide on your line. It's an inline bobber. Yeah, an yeah. inline bobber that can slide freely on your line. Above the bobber is a little bead, bead, and then above that is a bobber stop. This is a knot, a nylon knot. It's a nylon knot, and you can adjust the depth of that. And that, that knot will reel up into your reel. Yep. You can so reel you can have a bobber spool. set at 20 feet, but that means that, that doesn't leave you trying to cast. You're still able to with cast. 20 feet of shit hanging off the end yeah, of your bobber. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Real fun way to fish. It's I only fun. found out about slip bobbers at like the ripe age of like 41 or something. <laughs> and boy, game changer. <laughs> that bo- yeah, that, bite not, you that, guys doesn't play, that doesn't play into the fly fishing scene. <laughs> slip bobber. No, that sounds like a South Dakota bite. I mean, that's textbook, like glacial lakes, four to eight foot of water, slip bobber and leeches. Yep. That brings back some oh, memories. Oh, it was fun. Um, but yeah, at one point in time, I throw out a slip bobber and I set that down on the, on the edge of the boat and I pick up uh, my drop shot rig and I'm putting a leech on it and I start to hear the rod sliding against the gunnel of the boat. And I look over to see that rod just going over the boat into the water, and it's gone. Like, to the bottom. Fish pulled it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and You didn't have the drag set light enough that it could just pull it. No, I, I didn't I have, like, the, I didn't have the bail open or anything where it was just, it just, I, that we were, like, rarely catching fish on slip bobbers. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, you know, threw it out there and. Every once in a while, we look over just to make sure the bobber wasn't down or whatever. Um, so I'm like trying to like take the rod that I have in my hand and like hook it, just you know, try to doing whatever I can to like try to get this rod before it hits the bottom. And I didn't see it happen, so I'm like, what the yeah, heck is Ch- going on? Seth? Chet didn't see it happen. Everyone didn't see it happen, so they're like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Like sticking his rod down in the water, <laughs> trying to so musky t- fishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's doing his figure eights for musky. So I tell him what happened, and we're like going over the whole scenario. And I look over, and that fifteen yards away, that's fifteen yards away, that slip bobber pops up to the surface, <laughs> and it's moving. <laughs> <laughs> so we like get get rods reeled in. It's a shit show, and all of this is on camera for you guys to watch. Yeah, we got it. We got what are you guys gonna, sh- what, are you, what are you guys going to call your walleye show? I don't Musky know and the mustache, they, somebody thought. Maybe. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we get... I'll start thinking on that. We, yeah, start, yeah, think about that. Um, we get rods reeled in. We get on the trolling motor and start uh, hustling over to the, where the bobber is. And then by the time we get over there, it goes back down. So I'm like marking waypoints on the last <laughs> on our, on the hummingbird where like the last spot we saw the bobber go I'm down. scanning all over with my eyes, just looking. Shortly after, it pops back up like another 15 yards away, and I take the rod that I have in my hand, and I'm like casting over, trying to like snag the line and whatnot. We're trying to get over to it. Sure enough, we get close to it. It goes back down again. Finally, it pops up, um, and 
we get over to it and Chet's able to get the bobber with the net. And I reach down, grab a hold of the bobber, and I could feel a fish on the end of the line. And I start hand lining in this fish and it ends up being a 20 and a half inch walleye. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which is our well, biggest fish. Did you violate yet? tournament rules by hand lining it? No. No. Okay. no. I mean, we caught the fish. Yeah. With the rod and reel. <laughs> yeah. It just wasn't conventional. Was that, was that the biggest fish of the tournament? At the at the at that point in time, it was our biggest fish. So Chet oh nets my. it. We get it in. I pull the rest of the rod up off the bottom. Yeah. And he had been dragging that rod around on the bottom, so it was just like cake full of mud and stuff. Were you there when I uh harpooned that halibut and it stole my harpoon buoy? Oh yeah. Never to be seen again. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um so we get that fishing. It was crazy. Like the way we had cameras set up on the boat, um, like that rod slipped right past the uh, GoPro that was rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be like the best footage. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Um, Do you mind if I tell? Yeah, yeah. So here? I, here, I'll tee it up just a little bit. Okay. We, um, that, that bite slows down because of the wind dies, it gets pretty flat, calm. I say, Chet, let's run across the reservoir here and try. Still in the mud. Still in the mud. Let's run across where we had fished a little bit the day before and caught some fish. I was like, let's just go over there and try it because, right, like at that point, we weren't catching fish where we were. So, so we roll over there, and this spot is a little different. There's a few more weeds. There's still bait moving around. We're still seeing fish. So it's perfect, actually, more so than the day before. We start fishing, and we immediately start calling some more fish, meaning replacing smaller ones on our card with bigger <laughs> ones. And we're happy. We're probably sitting a little over 11 pounds, and it was our goal to just be consistent in keeping those double digits. And we knew we probably weren't going to place top 10, but we would probably upgrade from 17th. We're, we're happy with how we executed it at this point. So we keep fishing. And Seth, I just want to say something. Seth was on it. He was catching fish to the point where sometimes I'm like, I don't quite have it figured out like Seth does. So I'm just letting him do his thing. This is a team, you know, doesn't matter who's catching the fish. I mean, you're not being like, hey, Seth, can you make me a sandwich? Right. Uh, yeah. Can you, <laughs> no. can you help me untangle my line? This, this is like a very much a team effort, and it was actually really cool. Um, and I was catching fish, but he had it dialed. Um, so, you know, I'm happy. I also want to contribute to, like, this as well, right? Um, so we roll over there. We start calling those fish. And we had to be back by 3 p.m. You want to stay as partner for next year, too, right? Because, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> if we have five tournaments like this in a row, next year Seth's going to be like, well, Yanni? Oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> Seth might find, have, <laughs> Seth might find, he might yeah. become friends and find, like, a new partner. No, I caught some big ones on Fort Peck, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like a TV show when they replace one of the actors, oh, at, yeah, like, halfway dude. through the, like, yeah. in between seasons. It's like, where's Chester? <laughs> well, <laughs> this season, Chester will be played spot. by Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, communication is very key and like trying not to, it's just like goes a long way in the boat. So anyways, Seth, the two days he's loading the bases in a baseball analogy. Seth is just loading the bases. Can you give me a different kind of analogy? Uh, this, 
<laughs> this will work. No, out. that's fine because it's good because we yeah. got to talk about yeah. Polar, we got to talk See, about polar bear Pete. Pete yeah, Pete. Yeah. He he bats in the middle of the yeah. lineup when the the job the guys ahead of him at the top of the inning is just to get on the bases. So when Pete shows up, he drives them all in. It's called yeah. batting cleanup. Yep. Okay, Seth is it, hitting singles this, no, and doubles. This, this, yeah, this is good because we got to talk about baseball yep. in a minute. So Seth loaded the bases, and it was the bottom of the ninth inning, so the last inning of the game. We had to be in at three, and we were happy with our weight, and we said our last cast is going to be at 2.35 p.m. And Seth was jokingly saying to camera, we are going to just quick catch a bigger fish here to call out our 17-incher, and this is at 2.35 p.m., and then we're going to head right in and race to the weigh-ins. And I see a fish in the weeds on Megalive, and I flip it out there, and not seconds after Seth said that, wham, rod goes down, and it happened to be the biggest fish that anyone caught out of any boat the whole tournament. Hot damn, man. 25 and three-quarter inches, which is a big one, upgraded as five pounds. and No shit. Yeah, put it us was, up to like six over 16 pounds for the day. Gave us another $875 towards our little fund going towards something so at what the did end you, of the so year. So what did you finish? Do you Because I, I know that goes by how you finish for the tournament. Like you finished seven for the tournament, which yeah. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But what did you finish for the day? Or don't Fifth. Oh, Fifth really? for the nice. day. We ended up with 16-some pounds. And I kid you not, I was – I haven't been more excited about a fish. I was like so – like this is all on camera. Chris Gill is filming this, and he's trying to hold back his excitement behind the camera. And he yeah, because Ridge Pounder likes fishing. Yeah, he <laughs> said it was one of the most fun things he's ever filmed. And those tournament walleyes hit different too, man. Oh, oh, like, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> they just do. That walleye wakes up. He's like, it's tournament day today, boys. <laughs> Let's eat. <laughs> when I hit a leech, I'm going to no, do it. You know how I like to do it on tournament days. <laughs> when you you're know. just having fun, when you're just having fun fishing and catch a 20-inch walleye, you're like, that's a real nice walleye. Like, yeah. I love that walleye. You catch even a 20-incher when you're fishing a tournament and you are just shaking in your boots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pumped. Yeah, I would I would see a fish on Mega Live and I would make a cast to it and my hand would be shaking because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like waiting in, like the anticipation. Oh yeah, you get exhausted from it too all day because yeah. you're just amped the whole time. Yep. What does a 26 inch walleye weigh? That was like uh, six point something pounds. Um, you know, the 26 might be closer to seven. Um, or, Time of year is a yeah. big deal on that. I yeah, mean, what exactly. But the, they have a on these bump boards, they have a scale that is like relatively co- close after they spawn. So yeah, it's like a it's 13, a length, length to weight ratio. Yeah, a thirteen inch to fourteen inch fish is going to be around 0.8 pounds to a pound, right? Um, so that's how they measure these weights during these tournaments, but. Anyways, I was unbelievably happy. It was it, it was incredible. It was a fun tournament. <laughs> I'm proud of you guys, man. You guys are making everybody. You guys are making everybody proud. Yeah, you guys got 17th right in the first tournament, mm-hmm. and now seventh. Does everybody? Do, do the competition people, has got to know uh, that there's an up and coming team. Yeah, are people are people mm-hmm. mean to you guys because you guys are like newcomers and you and you're filming it and everything? No, everyone's great and. Um, that tournament was run really smooth. 
Um, it is a lot, so I appreciate people letting us do this. It's a lot. I mean, we got a chase boat. We got cameras around. Some people probably don't love it, you know, but I appreciate the Montana walleye circuit letting us do this because I think it's going to be something really cool at the end of it when we get this four-part series out. I'll say this about that, though, man, is if walleye fishing has ever had like a negative about it from the tournament standpoint is it's never had the cool videos and publicity that the bass side has had. Yeah. And walleye guys like the old PNW series and all those that even the NWT, it's like, that's the thing they've always missed is the actual ability to watch. Yeah. And so it's, you know, as a walleye guy myself, I like that. Well, going into it, one of the primary concerns these two had is that they would get caught cheating. (laughs) but they've been able to keep it under wraps oh Oh, you put that bug in everyone's head poking the bear (laughs) all right last i know we got to move on but one real quick question how many of those 56 boats had uh all the technology that you guys have in the boat um it's hard to say any probably a quarter 25 percent of them had it all maybe more maybe 50 yeah i mean I, i being conservative, for sure, twenty five, probably fifty. Yeah. Um, the guys that won it had, they were running live imaging, yep. and they they found a a cool spot that had weeds and bait, bait, and the fish were in the weeds. And did they have longer hair than you did, Seth? Nope. No. No. <laughs> um, they did not. Uh, Sean, you, you jacked up. Yeah. Well, I used to fish walleye tournaments. No, so. I'm not talking. About, I'm talking about being jacked up for Sean's duck report. Oh yeah, I'm pumped about that. <laughs> He's you jacked are? for both. Yeah. We're gonna move ahead to Sean's duck report. <laughs> okay. Oh, I want. I want. I want to go back again and say, you guys are doing a great job, man. Thanks. When you came on, like when you came on and said you wanted to land top twenty, I didn't have a reason to think you wouldn't. But uh, I was like, oh, it seems like a reasonable thing. But um, that you're executing on it. Hard work. I mean, like, yeah, it's just, like, two guys really trying to break it down and understand why. Why are these fish doing this? How do we catch yeah, them? Yeah, and going, I'll say I'll say quickly, going into Fresno, we had never fished it before. I would never even laid eyes on it. So we had completely spent two days breaking it down, figuring it out, and, yeah, trust your electronics. That's all I can say because that's what, that's what helped us. Mm-hmm. It's great, man. Got one more to go. Can't do the fourth. I should point out, can't do the fourth because Seth's getting married and, and won't uh, won't not go. <laughs> Spencer won't. Newharth was putting a bug in my ear. He's like, can me and you go out oh, and fish Oh, can you that? guys fish it? <laughs> you could. I could, but I don't know if that's You right want to go to his, his wedding? Yeah, I got to go to the guy's wedding. After putting on a performance like that at Fresno, heck. <laughs> 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 best of luck man I can't wait to get on that sweet boat now that all the rivers are going to be so messy for a while I'm going to have to go fishing with you guys on the on the boat on I the cannot water. wait yeah. all you guys let's go fishing alright Sean's Duck Report hey Phil did you ever make like an intro for Sean's Duck Report what's that huh you got anything else to say I say it's duck season and I say fire alright Sean let her rip oh you been dating much <laughs> I've been on the Rut app. No, you've been, on, been, you, on, you, you been on the app. He, though, he takes you? PTO to go on dates, like they're high stakes dates. I did. That was the first time I've ever taken PTO in my life for a date. Mm-hmm. 
I don't understand. I don't either. Please. <laughs> my first date with my wife was three days long. Because we were living in, I was living in Alaska. She was in New York. We met and went to La Brea Tar Pits. So why don't you understand? Grace, why do you that think That was of, unusual. Grace, why do you think a fellow would have this to take unusual. PTO to go on a date? Why would he have to take PTO? Well, I mean, it is personal time, right? That's a good point. Mm. By definition. By definition. <laughs> <laughs> I think that goes Pretty under. simple. It's personal yeah. time, what, what unless maybe what a fit, you know. But but in in your line of work, you know, the just take can you like take her duck hunting and then call it a. It was fishing. Well, I mean, I would think maybe that he could tie that into his work here. Do you know we offer unlimited PTO here. No, but that's awesome. Well, it's kind of a lie because like you can go away, but then you come back, you still have a bunch of shit to do. It's not like someone else <laughs> it, does it's your just stuff. Postponement to work. <laughs> yeah. It just it's means, like, yeah. It it's just not means like someone's like, oh, I'm gonna do while loaded. Sean's on his date. I'm gonna do the stuff he's supposed to do, and then he'll come back and be able to chill. It's like you just come back. You're like, now I'm screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Reentry is always hard. Anyhow, mm-hmm. there you are. Uh, but uh, I, I don't want to get too deep. But I am curious. Are you you using a dating app or not using a dating no. app? Mm-mm. Not at all. Not. Just meeting them the old fashioned way. Wow. Which I would would be a bar. Instagram. Well, no, you use, not like, a yeah, bar. Do you use social? Garrett's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not fair. <laughs> well, just give me. Yeah. Co- okay. Just give give me some qualities you're looking for. I'll find you a good Mississippi oh, you girl. Go. I think no. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm gonna plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how I expected this to go. I by didn't the way. expect this podcast <laughs> to go this way either. Grace, you're married and got kids. How many kids? Have you oh got? yeah, three. How I got three girls. We've been married twelve years. How'd you meet your husband? Blind date. It's actually really? a really funny story. I don't. I don't know if your listenership will be interested in how I met my husband, but it was a blind date. And a lot of friends joke that it was an arranged marriage because our mothers set us up on a blind date. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty old school. Yeah, blind date's not something you hear about too often. No, and we had both had some really bad blind dates leading up to our blind date, which, you know, so we didn't have high expectations. So you were a blind date haver. I was a blind date. And it was, it's actually, I'll tell you, it is, I'll give you the short version. So this was while I was, it was a unique chapter of my life. Um, I can't believe I'm about to say this on your podcast, but I was Miss Tennessee in the Miss America pageant. And so I took a year off of graduate Hold school. On. You went all the way to Miss Tennessee? To Miss America, if you want to take it to the highest level I went to. <laughs> you went and anyway, competed at Miss America? I did. I sure did. Damn. Do, you, do you want my autograph? Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, you so, were in the Miss America thing? I was. What was your deal? Did you Top know, 15. What was your sort of like, uh, you know, like your specialty or whatever? Talent du jour. I sang, which is how I met my husband. I was singing the national anthem at a Memphis Grizzlies NBA game. And our moms set us up. They had talked and they knew that I was going to be there singing. And neither one of us obviously were dating anyone. And in Mississippi, if you're not married by the time you're like 25, people get concerned. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. So, so, Especially um, if you're Miss Mississippi. Tennessee. 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 I, was at, I was in school at Vandy. So Miss Tennessee. Uh-huh. Sitting right here in the studio. Yeah. As you live and breathe. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, so I was singing the anthem. And so I was not at all concerned about whoever this dude was. I was about to sit with and watch the basketball game. And I had never sung in an arena that big before. So I had at the time, this is how long ago it was, I had my little iPod shuffle threaded underneath my dress, tucked in my tights, so that at center court, when I'm surrounded by all these seven-foot-tall basketball players and the lights go down, spotlight on me, I was terrified that I was going to accidentally change keys in the middle of this acapella song, which 
It sounds bad when you do that, by the way. So I was going to hear the accompaniment music in my ear that no one else could hear, but it would keep me in tune. You see what I mean? But when I press that play button, it just so happens that Nora Jones is right after National Anthem on my iPod at this time. (laughs) So I did not hear my accompaniment track. I heard, come away with me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, whoa. So I jerk it out of my ear and just pick a note, sang it. It was pre-iPhone days, so there's no proof otherwise. So I will say it was the best it's ever been sung. Yeah. (laughs) That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Did you... This uh, is the same night that you met your now husband. Yes, and he almost missed it. He came rushing in. He thought... He knew I was singing the anthem, but he thought it was going to be as part of some big, like, mission group ensemble that was then going to go work the concession stand. He really did not know that it was just going to be me singing. And so he, like, rushes in, and he's like, damn, that's my date. And so then I finish singing, and, of course, I'm a little rattled from the whole, like, debacle that was my accompaniment track. I know what you mean. And I he, (laughs) 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 But I look down at my then BlackBerry— because that's the yeah. time we were in. And it's like, I'm the guy in the blue sweater. And I'm going, I'm in the FedEx form. Like, all right, you're going to have to give me a little bit more than that. But uh, but anyway, we sat together, watched the game. He went. He was living in Jackson, Mississippi. He had, he had lived in Boston for school and then came back to Jackson. I was in Nashville. So we dated long distance, and now we're married with three kids. Was he like Mr. Universe or anything like that? Like, no. did he have anything? <laughs> no. No. Mm-mm. He had nothing. No. I mean, he's a really great guy. <laughs> no, he had everything. I'm so sorry, honey. Um, no, he honestly. No, he, he, just won you, he just won you over the good old fashioned No, he, he impressed me so much because he's so humble. Mm-hmm. And he's really a pretty awesome person with a lot that he could brag about. And he didn't. That's great. And so we sat and had this great conversation. There was a lot that I learned about him after the fact that he didn't come right out with, like trying to impress me. And he should have maybe told you that. if he was just trying to impress you. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But he held off. On he it. held off. But then he, you know what? It's funny, tying into the whole Miss America thing. So we met in November, Miss America, the finale, was, there was a reality show that year, but the finale was in mm-hmm. January. And he showed up in Las Vegas and like hung out with my family. We'd been on three dates at this point. That's when it was like, okay, he's into me, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. That is Damn. pretty cool. Is this the first time for you to have a washed up former pageant queen in your studio? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be right. <laughs> there's this, Unless there's a, something Chester hasn't been telling us, I don't know. Listen, there's a statute of limitations on these things. I really can't use that anymore, but um, yeah. That's awesome. That's the backstory. Uh, so back to Sean's date. <laughs> yeah, segue. <laughs> no, that's good. So we're going to, uh, okay. You know, you're being like a little tight-lipped. You're being like a tournament walleye. Go on, do your damn. Well, it's, do, do the uh, no, part. I mean, but it's like it's new enough that yeah, don't I don't want to jinx it. You know, no, I'm with you. That's that's probably the walleye fisherman. We'll check in me. back later. Yeah, what, 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 I'm lead, what I was leading towards. Someone. What I was leading towards is um, what do you call it when you got one guy batting and there's another guy uh, over practicing on deck. I was trying to get a couple more people on deck for you. Mm. Right? Yeah, it didn't probably work very well though, huh? Well, Maybe. You no, know, if you'd had to play it harder. Yeah. Let's go with the duck report, Sean. Duck report. <laughs> so, um, trying to remember how long ago that was that we talked about the age demographics of ducks. It was a couple pot, couple duck reports ago. But when we had talked about like how long ducks live, you had said, you know, we had talked about that they, you have some that get to be high twenties. You know, mallard that lives to be twenty seven years old, blue goose that lives to be thirty years old. 
and you had requested an odometer mm-hmm. how how far they travel in their life. Well, there's so there's a few different conservation orgs all doing this now. Ducks Unlimited, Delta, and then in Arkansas you have the Osborne Lab and Five Oaks Ag Research Center doing GPS trackers on ducks. And man, it's crazy how good that tech has come along compared to like the radio telemetry stuff because mm-hmm. they know every single i mean down to the cornfield these ducks are hanging out in all the way up and down the flyway but anyway so i had a guy named ryan askern from the osborne lab give me some data points they've got 45 ducks with gps trackers right now and uh that that's a they're gluing that in the feathers correct like it's on its back. Yeah, it's on their back. It looks like a backpack. It. Oh, it is? Okay. Because mm-hmm. I remember uh, some turkey guys talking about a little thing. Maybe they weren't, maybe it wasn't as sophisticated, but um, they would just glue this little device up in their feathers. You wouldn't even see it. Mm, no, you can see this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it. It looks like they're flying around with a backpack on. Um. So anyway, he sent me data points for the averages of all the 45 ducks, but then he also sent me just like a random Drake and Hen Mallard. Got it. And the Drake Mallard, on average, on average flies 8.7 miles a day for a total of 3,172 miles a year. And the Hen flies 11.6 miles a day for a total of 4,234 miles a year, which... You know, it's kind of crazy when you think about that most of that's in the spring and fall because they're pretty so that idle. It, that does include migration. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they're pretty idle Yeah, because that's summer. the annual average. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So are you going to hit us with some extraordinary days? Yes. Okay. Yep. So. That's why Sean does such a good duck report. <laughs> um, well, and I did, I did do a total of like based on the average of all their forty-five ducks that they have, they they fly an average of eleven point two miles a day. Okay. And if you remember, the oldest mallard ever shot with a band on it was twenty-seven years seven months. Applying the average to that duck, he would have flown one hundred and twelve thousand seven hundred and fifty miles in his life. It's pretty good for mm-hmm. <laughs> for a duck, but okay. Anyway, the and then what's really wild is the like the spring and fall migration of how far these ducks will go in one day. This spring in April, they had one mallard that flew six hundred and forty-two miles in a single day from Bismarck, North Dakota, to Lloydminster, Alberta. No way. Yeah, in one day. How many times did he stop? See, it only kicks the information back every 24 hours. Okay. So they don't know exactly what he did. Yeah. But you'd have to think if he's covering that distance, he couldn't have been doing much except flying. And right. he was going north. Mm-hmm. I Northwest. wonder if he had a tailwind. That's what's crazy, too, is like you see these ducks migrate into the wind sometimes, too. Snow geese will do it all the time where they migrate into the wind and you're like, why? You know, <laughs> so what, they'll they'll like wait for a north wind and make a big push or something, or it just happens to be that just kind of like I've seen the hard, some of the hardest snow goose migration days going north into a north wind, which doesn't make sense. And yeah. then other times, you know, they have a great south wind and they're using it, but mm-hmm. they'll migrate more based on. 
and this is a different duck report we'll do sometime about how much of the migration happens based on moon mm, and like that'd be a great moon, duck report yeah like why you always hear snow geese flying in the middle of the night yep yep because they're doing some work and research on like luminance too and how much mo- duck movement is happening based on moonlight Mm, I think cool. I think as much of it's based around that even more than wind. It's yeah. like that it's warm out, that you know, they've got the right moon, stuff like that. But that's incredible six hundred and forty two miles that you did out in one day. And that's like you know when you're out and, and ducks are kind of giving you the snub and also yeah. just some duck comes and just like boom, bombs right in. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, he just got done with a 300-mile <laughs> trek, you know? And he's like, dude, next duck I see, I'm landing. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for some food, some chill. But the, you know, the ones that are real crazy is the snow goose migration. I mean, the duck migration is impressive, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't hold a candle to what the snow geese are doing. So there's a group called the Alberta Conservation Association doing GPS work on snow geese and they have one tracker that for whatever reason has lasted longer than it was supposed to it's lasted Mm. three years now so they've been getting info on this one snow goose for three years and over from january 2020 to january 2022 this snow goose has averaged 20.15 miles per day of flying which like Okay, so it's double a mallard's average, yep. and it makes sense when you see how snow geese fly around and feed. They fly a long ways every day to feed. But then on top of that, this snow goose flew 870 miles in 24 hours and landed on like this little mountain creek up <laughs> in the Yukon. Really? Yeah. And so this, so this goose, this exact snow goose is wintering in California then flying over to Boise and hanging out down in the Snake River bottoms. Yeah. Then flying to Freeze Out Lake, Montana. Yeah. Then over to Edmonton, Alberta, and then ending on the north slope of Alaska. I missed my first snow goose at Freeze Out Lake. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Like the biggest chip shot you could ever have just decoyed or no, passing just, over or like yeah you know, like i don't know eight feet over my head <laughs> going about a mile an hour and, and i just i'm too close just whatever i don't know um so just for the sake of doing it i applied that 20 mile a day average to the oldest blue goose ever which you know same thing as a snow goose and that goose would have flown 225,539 miles in its life which there's pickups dying well yeah. before that. You're not going to get that much out of your Toyota Tundra. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, that's great. So many miles. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. 
and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay. It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame, wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Do you anyway. have any numbers on the low end? Like when they're just loafing like around? A golf, like a golf course duck? Mm. No, I don't have anything like that, but I was... Th- I was thinking about that. These these ducks are putting the GPS units on in Arkansas. Um, you know, they those ducks in Arkansas are always kind of within easy feeding distance of like where where they roost and where they feed is always pretty close, maybe mm. a mile, two miles at most. But then you get some of these Montana, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas ducks that. They have to fly a long way to get to a cornfield. In western Nebraska one time, I followed a flock of ducks 45 miles to their feed. And they were flying that every day. And so... Yeah, he's jamming 90 miles a day. I I would think that this average of Arkansas ducks is actually, you know, maybe compared to some of the central flyway ducks and Rocky Mountain ducks, maybe on the low side. 
Hit me again with how far that snow goose went in one day. Um, 870 miles in one day, 24 hours. He's blown by whole entire states. Yeah. Like you're flying north to south, you're passing states. Yeah. Like a he, bunch of them. <laughs> he, he started in, he started in Alberta and ended like well into the Yukon that day. Yeah. And that, and where he was in, it's, it's real, what's really cool to look at on this GPS and I'll, I'll, uh, I can post the website for this too. You can look at the GPS and see that this bird sat around Edmonton, Alberta for a solid month just feeding and getting ready to cross the forest. Cause that's why, mm. I mean, it's a, there's no food for them as yep. they cross the burial. You know, that's the largest, this would be a good question for Spencer's Trivial Pursuit show. Um, the boreal forest is the largest biome on earth. Really? Uh-huh. It's the largest expanse of habitat type on the planet is the boreal forest. Because, like, all that shit across Eurasia. Circumpolar, right? Yeah. All that shit, like, mm. huge band mm-hmm. across Eurasia, huge band across North America. And that is a game-poor environment. <laughs> yeah, and food-poor. Why a snow goose would eat wheat for a month yeah. and a half before he flies across it in two days. That was a hell of a duck report. It's a fun one. Are you, done? Are you the, done now? Yeah, I'm done. So I think that, just, th- just throw Sean a couple ideas. I think that sh- about them moving at night would be very interesting. Okay. What do you guys, anything? Grace, what is the thing you wonder most about ducks? Or don't you have any burning? I don't, I don't wonder a lot about ducks, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm, you know, I stay, I'm, I'm an ears girl, you know? Well, when, you I come mean, back, I'm, I'm, when you come back with that turkey tester. Okay. Maybe by then you'll have worked up a question for Sean. A question for Sean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got, I got a couple requests. Okay. Um, I think there's an emerging understanding about the role of iridescence in birds. What they mm-hmm. see when they see iridescence, right? That could be interesting. Yep. Um, That's a good one. What else? Have you done like mortality stuff? Like, Ooh. as far like during the migration, I should say to narrow it down. Mm. Like hitting, like, getting hit by cars. Is there? Is there like? Uh, spot on the map where it's like, holy shit, a bunch of ducks died right it's here. It's like the Bermuda Triangle for ducks, right? <laughs> yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Or like, how, t- how long did that, that, that goose live after the super long day? You know, then does it just post up for a while? Is that the, is that the last hurrah? They do, no, they, I mean, they, they do their migration real fast. Yeah. And they take advantage of it and then they spend a lot of time resting and putting the fat stores back on. Oh, I got to get another one for you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, predator swamping. You know what I'm talking about? There's like a reproductive strategy where a a vulnerable Mm. bird or any kind of thing, vulnerable species will synchronize birthing. Um, so that rather than staggering it out where predators can just like whittle away, whittle away, whittle away, whittle away, it just all happens at once. Bam. Right? Yeah. And then you kind of overwhelm the predator base. Mm-hmm. And there's examples of, with, with I know with snow geese, the way they nest, that the fox, the Arctic foxes and whatnot will always whittle away at the edge, but it's just too much hits the ground all at once. And they can't, they'll never get them all. But if you'd spread that th- same thing out over months, right? Yeah. Predators would just be like keyed in on it constantly, constantly doing it. That could be interesting. Yeah, that would be. 
And then another thing that could be interesting is like why, what factors led to the great explosion in snow geese? Um, That's a good one. Like what were the agricultural practices that changed that led to the the snow goose explosion? And why did that become a thing of such concern to wildlife managers in the Arctic? I've actually been in touch with the guy that was waving the flag. I did. A, I, I called him for an article I wrote on the website about snow geese that um, he was the guy waving the flag saying, hey, <laughs> snow goose populations are about to explode. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of environmental differences. Get ready. And he, he, he said that 25 years before the conservation order actually got created. Yeah, that's a good one, talking to snow geese. I'll keep you busy. Mm-hmm. Let us know how the dating goes. Okay. All right, Joyce, sing the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> we should have kicked the show off with that, I, man. I didn't, I didn't warm up. <laughs> okay. I'm a little rusty. I'm out of practice. Did you want to talk about Pete really quick before we get on oh. the... Oh! Yeah. Pete, yeah. for Pete's sake. Pete. Okay. So our, our friend Pete Alonzo, speaking of baseball, our friend Pete Alonzo, um, go ahead, Chester. He he hits dingers. He, <laughs> he's a hey, heck of a baseball player. Polar Bear Pete plays for the Mets. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the official baseball player of this podcast. Yeah. He, do, you, do you know what position he plays for the Mets? Yeah, he plays first base. Nice. Thanks, Yanni. Steven Ranella. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Hey, man, I'm a loyal friend, man. First base. I, I read, I, I'll uh, read, when I see an article pop up about Pete, I'll read it and I'll send it to him. As though he didn't know about it. <laughs> my grandmother sends. you didn't know, Pete, you had a good game last night. <laughs> my grandmother sends me articles cut out in the newspaper about Pete. Pete, just because we did, we did that. That's funny episode together. He uh, is well known for a couple home run derby wins. He can he had a million bucks a pop, dude. He, he that guy can hit the ball mm-hmm. when he gets a. Where he wants it, he hits the ball. He tells me that to be a good hitter, you have to have a high ass. And if you look at him, he has a high ass. Which means a, a strong buttocks. Yeah, his ass is positioned high on his body. <laughs> and it's big. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of That's power in there. Yeah. What I really like about watching him in the home room dirty, I've mentioned this before, is like the zen space that you can see that he's in just just chilling and smiling and just swinging away as calm as can be everybody else looks like they're just gonna smash the bat in their hands they're holding it so tight and they've got beads of sweat coming down their face and they're just and pete's just (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot like yanni's way off bugle yeah and he loves to (laughs) hunt and fish Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe. Okay. So what? What is? What's the? the Pete has an ask of everybody. Yeah. Is it just about the All Star voting? No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> voting is open for the uh, the All Star game. Pete Alonso with a three run homer, his second of the night. Hey guys, what's up? Pete Alonso here. I just want to say thank you so much for all the love that you guys have been giving us, especially in the All Star voting. And as a thank you, yours truly, I'm going to be giving away jerseys, helmets, hats, tickets, and uh, some BP passes. Take a picture of your vote and uh, timestamp it somehow. Make sure to just click the link in my bio. It'll take you right to the site, LFGM. What's LFGM mean, Phil? Uh, Laugh at my... Fucking go, fucking go Mets. Go Mets. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. It's naughty. <laughs> 
Mets are having a so, hell of a season this year. Yeah, so do that because Pete's great. Steve, baby corn coming your way. Yeah, I not like bad. It. Did you eat your baby corn? I did. It, it rem- it's it's like a cousin of the pickled okra. Yeah, these come you in know? the uh, mm. in the meat eater Bloody Mary kit that meat eaters selling on the website now. I didn't know that there I was. I somehow a... never got. I never got one either. I got all the parts. I just never got it packaged. Well, you'll have to go to the meateaterstore.com and get one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know what? I basically now make I make a lot of uh, when I'm making. You know, I take like late. I've been taking a lot of NA beer. Yeah. And adding not only Bloody Mary mix, but all the Bloody Vodka. Mary, but all the Bloody Mary fixins. I'm making a red beer with Bloody Mary fixins. Mm. What are your favorite fixings? I oh, like how you like, said fixins. Just like olives, pickled asparagus, whatever. It's like a crazy ass drink. It's like beer, Bloody Bacon, Mary mix, grilled cheese. And when you put all those, all that salty stuff in there, the fizz is bye bye. It's mm-hmm. just gone. <laughs> are you putting cheese in? You gotta have a little bit. Of I haven't been grating any cheese there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might start. All right, oh, I ready? Love Bloody Mary. We're digging in now. Ready. What happens? We tried to have someone explain this before that didn't satisfy either of us. Oh, now the stakes are high. All right, I will do a better job. Here we go. I'm going to paint a picture. You're in a duck blind. Okay. And someone shoots their shotgun six inches from your ear. (laughs) What just happened to you? Well, a lot. Yeah. So... Gun bangs that loud, okay? You you think about if you think about um, I talked about this a little bit in the generous article that Sam put out on MeatEater.com here recently. I don't know if you've had a chance to mm-hmm. peruse it, but I just we're just going to take but, it from scratch. Sure, okay. So when you when you think about decibels, you know you hear decibel this, decibel that. Well, you think think about it in terms of sound pressure level, and sound pressure is entering your ear at different intensities, right? So a gun shot like honestly, that, I haven't thought of that before. Well, there you go. So it really is. It is a sound pressure level. And um, so we'll, we'll take it from a physiology standpoint. So the acoustic wave at a sound, whatever sound pressure level enters your ear canal, hits your eardrum, vibrates your eardrum, which then vibrates the tiniest bones of your body, the ossicles, the smallest of which, the stapes, moves in and out of what we call the, the window into your cochlea, which is your hearing nerve, which is that little snail shell two and a half turn Mm -hmm. that houses your hearing nerve where there's these delicate hearing fibers. Now, I think this is pretty cool. If you were to unroll that snail shell, it's like a piano keyboard. So the the little hair cells that get hit first and the hardest are coded for the highest pitches that you hear. Uh And then as you move down toward the other end of the cochlea. Inside the coil. Inside the coil, then you start getting down to the bass tones. So it's a tonotopic organization like that. I want want to... Ask a clarifying question about the yeah. pressure. Okay. Early weird joke about turkey gobbles way off. Mm-hmm. That's creating a sound pressure. Mm-hmm. It's moving through a the atmosphere. A sound pressure level moving through the atmosphere in the form of a sound wave. Yeah. I guess I guess I never thought about what sound is, but I never thought about it. It makes total sense, but I never mm-hmm. thought about it being that way. And you think about yeah. the sound waves, like when we're at the lake and you can hear conversations that are being had at a campsite across the lake because the water there's nothing to impede the flow of those sound waves moving across the water as opposed to if you're in the woods and you've got all these different baffles from the trees and the vegetation that's going to interfere with how well that sound wave travels to your ear Mm. the last morning of my turkey hunting season i was on the edge of a lake and it about drove me nuts 
because there were turkeys gobbling on all sides of that lake. And because the sound was traveling so well, I could not tell. <laughs> well, and you can't you tell to what pin- side of the lake they were on. Do you remember on? trying to pinpoint a blue grouse oh, on yeah. a lake? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we walked to the other side of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> and, he still, and he still sounded across the lake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's back where we were. Well, and I'm I'm also thinking from your hearing test we took, if one ear is better than the other, you're going to have even more trouble pinpointing where that sound's coming from. So that was also to your disadvantage. I'm sorry I just outed your hearing. No, that's all right. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so um, it's cool to me that the hearing nerve is coded like that for pitch. Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, like I've said before, we hear with our brains. Because it doesn't matter if, if those hair fibers... What has to happen is then that they then have to transduce the sound, send it all the way up to your brain, where it's then processed by your auditory cortex, which is in each temporal lobe. And the auditory cortex is also organized tonotopically. So there's surface area of your brain that is dedicated to processing and interpreting all these different pitches. Mm-hmm. So for that gunshot, it's coming in hard and fast, and it's blasting those really high pitches first. And depending on how loud it is, it's it's getting the hair cells farther and farther down the cochlea. But that's why oh. we see that high-pitch hearing loss happen first as a result of noise exposure, most typically. In hunters, we'll see what because we... Because that, that, like, li- li- the, the pressure mm-hmm. the, the hair, is damaging to the things. If you picture it like, almost like the little, what is that right there I'm looking turkey at? Feathers. Turkey feathers. If you look at the, that's a very cool turkey feather photo. She, uh, so, thank you. I took she, that. Yeah. But as you, if you think re- about she, these Grace like, is referring to a um, very detailed look at the end of turkey feathers. It almost looks, looks like little abstract. Hairs. Yeah, 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 but so you have these cilia and stereocilia, these tiny hairs that are like this. And they're waiting on a sound to hit them so that then that activates an action potential that with the synapse that sends the sound to your brain. Well, you know what's interesting about all that, yeah. all that wiring in your brain uh-huh. is, um, and then it's like, then it, then that is somehow lining up with learned experience. Yeah. Where you assign a, right, it's doing all this mm-hmm. and then instantly assigning memory where the minute someone talks, your brains are like, oh, they're over there. It's Bob. Right. He's irritated. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, absolutely. Yeah. And so when you blast those hair cell fibers and they they kind of kill over a little bit. And so you know how sometimes you'll leave a concert, your ears are ringing. Or oh, in this yeah. situation, the pit blonde, you might walk out, your ears might be ringing. And if you're lucky, after a few days or a few hours, those hair cells will recover and your hearing will come back. You'll think, oh, I'm great. That's I'm fine. them standing back up again. Yes. It's called a temporary threshold shift. No way. And so those those hair cells will kind of stand back up again, but you've undoubtedly weakened them. But when they're bent over, what is the ringing? That's a great question. So because our... Our brains are programmed to be looking for this this stimulation that's coming in through the auditory system. So when you have a very discrete pitch, like from a gunshot that's been damaged, even temporarily, the brain is receiving great input from the hair cell fibers right next door to the ones that have been damaged. And so it's getting all this great stimulation, and it's searching for a signal that's not coming, and it manufactures this ringing. The best way I know to provide an analogy to this is like a phantom limb syndrome. Someone loses a limb and they perceive pain in a limb that's no longer mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Your, your brain is searching for sensory input that's not coming, which is why when I've written about, I've got a good article on tinnitus. I'm kind of proud of it. But 
in that article, it talks about how sometimes in audiology, an audiologist will work to program into whatever ear-level devices you're wearing a background noise that's pitch-matched and loudness-matched to your ringing if it's a pervasive problem. And that provides the stimulation that's missing right at that pitch, tells your brain to calm down. Tinnitus is 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 a fascinating topic, and we could spend. Are, a are you whole pretty committed to it being tinnitus? It, other than tinnitus, <laughs> tomato, tomato. And the, oh, is it, is it is it okay? It is okay. Okay. Most because I've always said tinnitus. My doctor said tinnitus. Yeah. I said like I thought it was tinnitus. He goes, I don't know what it is. The academic <laughs> medical community, like if I'm at continuing ed lectures, that sort of thing, everybody talks about tinnitus. But for yeah. whatever reason, in the public realm, Joe you hear Blow tinnitus a lot. I'm switching. Uh, you know, either way. Yeah. Either way, but um. But anyway, you know, the limbic system is very involved in regulating ringing. If you have it pervasively, you know, you'll notice that stress, caffeine, salt, lack of sleep. What's the limbic system? The limbic system is, um, you could kind of equate it to almost like a, a, a nervous system or an emotional regulating system. It's the system that like when your cortisol levels are amped and, and you're really stressed, mm-hmm. um, there's an internal gating system that your your brain is working to try to overcome those things. And when that system is taxed because of stress, because of lack of sleep, anxiety, um, too much caffeine, that's when you might notice that that ringing hits like a fever pitch. And some people are like, oh, that sounds like voodoo, whatever. I don't believe in meditation. But that's why some of the psychological side of tinnitus is the best management. Because once you learn that that there are these coping strategies and you mm-hmm. kind of pay attention, t- stay in tune with what's happening um, with your body and kind of where you are in life, that sometimes if you are able to get a few really good nights sleep and just drink a bunch of water and maybe lay off the alcohol and caffeine, it, you'll get some relief in that ringing. You know, what, what? now that I've started to struggle with it, and I haven't, it hasn't been bad for months mm-hmm. for whatever reason, um, it's self-perpetuating in a way mm-hmm. because it'll get real quiet. Like it might just be you're out hunting or whatever, listening for gobbles. Right. And then you're like, oh, wow, there it is. Because when then, you're in a quiet place. And then that shit, then your brain's like, why is it there? Why is it there? Why is it there? And then it becomes deafening. Yeah. And you're like, hold on, it wasn't deafening a minute ago. It's only deafening now because I'm so like fixated you're on it. And then and then I hear it. it for days. Yes. When you tune into it, I mean, truly the focus and the attention. And so if you can like mentally get yourself into a mental space where you can distract yourself from it with either a masking noise or, or play some soft music in the background, something to get your mind off of it, it truly does help. That's There's where I'm at. I've scientifically come to the point helps. where now I have like in my little memory bank, I have places and, and context I know where I can be in and I know it won't be there. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you get in the car and go drive. It's not there. When you think about it, There's you've got road noise. There's just enough noise from the road and the truck. Is it bad enough that you'll go ever, I can hear it right now. But will you ever go take a step to make it go away? No. So it's I'm, never as bad no. enough that you're like, I'm going to go for a drive. To, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you pass the, the little pickled corns there? <laughs> so like, the, I've had some people that are so debilitated by it. I mean, they, they are, it, they're not sleeping. I mean, it's really mm. affecting their lives. So these fancy new earpieces you mm-hmm. got us, though. Yeah. They got that little background noise. The background sounds, and that's because this particular product I've got you trying is um, it, it made by a hearing aid company, and so it's using a hearing aid chip. You notice we connected through the hearing aid mm-hmm. settings, not the Bluetooth settings. Mm-hmm. And so in the hearing aid world, we often use those settings to program in that background noise. So it might just help you with focus. You know, if if you don't have ringing, if you just want to go into a Zen space in your office and like not only have the earplugs in it. but block out. 
But, you know, if you have ringing in the ears, it can be a tool. That's exactly what it's there for. It's on the hearing aid chip. What does OtoPro mean, your company? Oto is the medical prefix for ear. Hmm. An otologist is an ear doctor. And then pro is professional protection. Yeah, I was tracking that part. Yeah. It came to me when I was sitting in church, so I decided it was divinely inspired. That's good, yeah. I get questions about it or all the time. Or it could be that though. you weren't paying attention in church. Well, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't tell my pastor. <laughs> hey, it's gone really well. I'm here mm-hmm. with you now. So maybe, yeah, yeah. you know. So maybe it was a divine meant to inspiration. Be. Maybe it was. Uh, you went, so now that we, we, is there more you want to say about like what goes on? Because that was my dying, that was my number one dying question. I'm satisfied with the explanation now. But what is it when you get like the wham? Yeah. But, but that's part two. There's a part two then. Sure. A couple days later, you're like, oh, it went away. Mm-hmm. Um, but but eventually it kind It'll of creep up on but you. But eventually it kind of didn't, right? Like mm-hmm. you do that enough times throughout your life, or you shoot a suppressor and you're not being careful, or right. you're a little kid and you're not a burning up those. You mean a break? I'm sorry, a break. break. Yeah. Or you're a little kid and your mom and dad give you those little milk cartons full of 22 shells, and it's just like incessant all day. 22 shooting until you run out. Man, yeah. we never wore hearing protection shooting 22s. No, it was like nothing. as unheard of as having a yeah. bike helmet. Why would you do it? Yeah. But this is why I'm <laughs> yeah. hopeful about the future of where we're going with hearing health because all of us sitting around this table did not grow up with hearing protection, mm. but we're thinking about it and we're sure as heck thinking about it for our kids. When we were going to the range today, this is how trained people are. When we were going to the range today, even though we got flooded out, Yeah. Uh, my kid... I was going to bring him with. I had my older boy with me. I was going to bring the other ones, but they were still sleeping. He um, he said, oh, do you have my headphones? I was like, man, that's not a sentence I would have ever said <laughs> when I was 12 years him. old. Good for him. I mean, truly, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, because noise damage is cumulative. I like to equate it to sun exposure. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish mm-hmm. I could go back to my, I hate to even admit this now, but like my time I spent in the early 90s in a tanning bed. Mm. The amount of money I'm spending now to try to reverse that damage with all the potions and lotions and facials and all that stuff, you know? You got you've been getting stuff cut off yourself? Uh, no, I just Not mean yet. like, you know, trying to smooth out the wrinkles and get, oh, yeah, but keep, keep the skin clear and all that stuff because all the sunspots and sun damage from baking in the sun. But you know, at the time I might get a little sunburn, but then it goes away and you think, Oh, it's fine. But it's damaging, and it's damage that might not show up until later, and your hearing is a lot the same. You know, our, our regulatory systems, you know, you've got NIOSH and you've got OSHA. I don't know how much you want to get into that, but um, NIOSH does the research, makes the recommendations, and then OSHA is what enforces the workplace guidelines, okay? And so, you know, with both of those systems, the, there's a big problem because they're assuming that all of your noise exposure is during an eight-hour workday. So you, they give you these doses and like time allowances for certain noise levels, but they don't take into account that you may go home and mow the grass or go hear some live music or just blast the radio in your car, you know, and Shoot all of it, or, ducks. or sleep with a sound machine on blasting like you're in mm. like the Rainforest Cafe or something, you know. And so all of this is a lawn adds mo- a lawnmower up. bad enough to do something? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure, it depends on the lawnmower. I mean, my dad was cutting grass with the big tractor, you know, and sit on the tractor idling and like nothing in your ears. Imagine um, a weed blower has got to be up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why, like a, that that noise is kind of like it gets to you. Right. 
Yeah, and a chainsaw gets to you. Well, mm-hmm. and it'll get to you more and more as your hearing gets worse and worse because an interest, a really interesting thing, one of us talked about this earlier, the more hearing loss you have, the less tolerance you have for loud sounds. Oh, really? So like I used to be mm. able to stand front center at my favorite shows in Nashville. And I mean, I was just enjoying it. Nothing ever sounded distorted or I didn't get that buzzy, rattly feeling, but I get that now. So I wear my little custom music Here, plugs. That's so surprising that it makes you, because you think you'd just be like zoned out, like you wouldn't well, even know it was there. And that's yeah. why when you are ready to seek hearing aids or hearing technology, I don't even want to hear call them hearing aids anymore because they've come so far with what they can do. But that's why it's really important to not just walk into like a Costco or a Sam's. You need to find a qualified credentialed person to help you with this. Not only is it an ongoing relationship that requires some tuning and it's just not a one size fits all, but it gets really tricky because your dynamic range, your tolerable range, range of hearing gets smaller and smaller. And we're trying to make things sound naturally while using a lot of compression to fit everything in that window. And that's tricky to do. We moved into a house, the the first house my wife and I bought, it was like the whole ground floor was, there's no walls, no divisions. Mm. Like, like total open floor plan. All the way open. Yeah. And man, my stress level with the kids Echoing. Like you've been there trying to cook dinner and you got some music on and they're like fighting about something or mm-hmm. banging around, throwing balls around. Yeah. It would make me go mad. I bet. And the people around me weren't going mad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like it was like, like a cacophony, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I feel like for me personally, I've also lost some tolerance, not, ne- not necessarily only of just really loud sounds, but of being able to focus in the midst of a lot of noisy chaos going on around me. Like I used to be able to study, you know, with friends in the apartment, music and people doing this, and I could zone in and focus. And now my ability to focus in the midst of a lot of that chaos has really decreased, which is interesting. You got some like frontal lobe executive function and all, I don't know. But is that is that necessarily related to hearing loss or is that just related to like your brain changes over time and you get... I think it's both. Yeah. I it's, think it's, it's like both. what gives you like grumpy people. Right. Grumpy old people. Grumpy old people. Yeah. My dad jerks his hearing aids out. The grandkids come around. I've got three kids. <laughs> My sister's got three kids. They're running around and he loves them. But oh man, I mean, he jerks those hearing aids out and puts them on the table. I'm like, dad, come on, <laughs> come on. So, because he, he feels like it's easier for him to to deal without the aids. Because he with. just wants them to be quiet. And instead of asking them to be oh. quiet, which he knows is not going to work, he just takes his hearing aids off or mutes them or starts streaming a ball game through them instead of listening to <laughs> the children. You know, <laughs> survival mechanisms. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com 
and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. These things are super cool as a gift, especially if you got mom, aunt, grandma, whoever, and you want to like keep them up to speed on what the family's up to. Okay, It's easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with pre-loaded photos and memories. Named the best digital picture frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. You can share photos to the frame instantly from anywhere, meaning you share videos, photos from any device, and they will instantly appear on the frame wherever it is in the world. There's no memory card required right now. Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code MEATEATER at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, meaning you put them on, they feel great. Little or no break in, period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Just ask my buddy Chili, who's been slipping around in his Tacova boots, talking about how great he feels in them. He loves them. Yeah, Steve, they're very comfortable. They're very fashionable. And I enjoy wearing mine around the office and anywhere I go around Bozeman. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And find your new favorite pair of boots today. What else do you want to know? I well, can talk about this long, stuff forever. Exp- explain like what the long-term damage looks like. I mean, if, if all these things are physical structures, right? right sure. Like you, you can, presumably, you could, uh, you could uh, do a, what do you call it when someone dies? You tear, an you autopsy? cut them apart? Okay. Yeah. You do an autopsy. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I say presumably, but I don't know the answer to this. Could you do an autopsy on a, on a dead person who had just was exposed to like outrageous levels of loud noise mm-hmm. and had hearing damage. Could you do an autopsy and say like through a microscope or whatever, be like, oh, this person uh, suffered damage from loud noise. Or is it that you can't because you can't see the inner workings of the brain? Well, I think there could be even a more interesting way to look at it. And that gives me a great segue. This kind of ties into how I, why I started Pro to begin with. So I was working clinically and my clinical niche had kind of evolved to become an area where I was working with a lot of people who had dementia and hearing loss. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at how there was this negative synergy between the two. There was a lot of good research coming out from Johns Hopkins, University of Colorado at the time, looking at what's happening in your brain with auditory deprivation and untreated hearing loss. This, you know, we're seeing this, this negative synergy. So, and I see I, that I've, firsthand I only, in clinic. I only heard about that just recently. Oh, yeah? The, the link between 
hearing, hearing loss and lo- dementia. Yeah, hearing loss and dementia. So I started kind of writing and putting together some articles for other audiologists, taking basically a lit review of what we know right now in research and how you can apply this to your clinical practice. And so then when our university medical center in Mississippi was chosen as a, a data collection site for this study out of Johns Hopkins, looking at this topic, it was like I was the prime person to go work on this study. So did that. And so we're looking at we're, we're, this particular study was looking at whether hearing aid intervention could delay the onset or slow the rate of decline for dementia. And for example, I'll tell you, like, an, it's core, both of those things are positively, positively correlated with the degree of untreated hearing loss. So with a severe untreated hearing loss, we were seeing an onset of dementia that was 3.2 years earlier than it would have been otherwise, and five times faster rate of decline than compared to the normal control. Is it like, maybe you're going to get to this, but is it just because your brain's not like that level of activity isn't occurring in your brain? Well, there's two things, two primary processes that really stuck, stuck out to me. One was called cross-modal plasticity. The other was cortical resource reallocation. Well, I'll break that down quickly. So one thing is when you are struggling to hear, because you're not getting that auditory signal. Think about yourself like at a wedding, at, at Seth's upcoming wedding reception. So you're trying to talk to somebody, there's a band playing, there's music, you are focusing in so hard to try to understand what that person's saying in the moment mm-hmm. that there's less cognitive reserve left over to recall that information later. So you're much more likely to remember my name if I am introduced to you during this quiet room podcast and it's an easy listening environment than you are when you are focused in and just trying to know in that moment. So there's less room for later recall of information. Got it. So that's one thing that's playing in when people are struggling to hear. They have a harder time remembering what they heard. Oh, yeah. All their energy's going to like... All their energy's going to that. But to your point of how could we look at the the physical aspect of what's happening, um, it was the University of Colorado that started looking at this, and this was um, the the cross-modal plasticity thing. So... We could put somebody in a functional MRI that had a bunch of hearing loss, or even with mild to moderate hearing loss, play an auditory signal, and then give some visual stimuli, and we start to see that the areas of the brain coded... Be, be more specific. What, what is the audio and what is the visual? Um, I'd have to look back at the study to tell you exactly what the audio was. I don't know if they were playing like their favorite music or okay. if they were playing cl- clicks and beeps, but... And, and the visual would be... It, the, like you, not, you're not like watching a movie. You're just seeing something. You're just seeing something. Like images yeah. of some yeah. sort. Yeah, but the, but the the moral is we're starting to see where the if if the area of the brain that's coded to process sound is not being used to process sound, it's going to get recruited by other sensory systems to process that input. So we would start to see your auditory cortex light up in response to a visual stimulus. Mm. Think about how um, you know people who have lost their vision have a, a higher alertness for their hearing. Or people who are deaf might have a, a higher visual acuity. Or you think about the ability to read Braille, mm-hmm. you know, and it's because the brain is able to devote more surface area to those processes because it's not being used for what it was intended. So the, the neural connections start to reorganize. And so we could look at that and say, okay, how much has your brain reorganized because of the sensory deprivation? And so... Anyway, I could go on forever. But, but hit me with why that might lead to why the hearing loss could with be, dementia. Yeah, like uh, you 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 explained it with the term that like you're working hard to hear everything. Yep. you're not Can't processing. It. 
But what is the what is the other one? What is how does that relate to hearing? That loss? reorganization yeah. relate to hearing like loss? Ro- like you're robbed, like parts of your brain are robbing from other parts. Parts of your brain are robbing from other parts, and that's part of what they're still trying to distinguish is exactly how those changes in neural processes are relating to that breakdown long term. Like of some dementia. other something that you need might be like neglected mm-hmm. or reallocated. Or, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so. Um, those are just two of the, of the main points that I find really cool about how your brain is responding to that lack of input. And then that's why when, if you have a really a, a big hearing loss and you put on these amplified earplugs or hearing aids for the first time, it all just might sound like noise. And you have to give your brain time, almost like physical therapy for your brain. It's like auditory training, um, just like learning to blow a duck call in. You got you to give your brain time to readjust so that things can start to sound normal again. Uh, I'm going to tell how we met. Please do. Okay. So the reason Grace is sitting here is because I don't even know who arranged this. I'll tell you. You came in to do a company-wide, <laughs> you came in to do a company-wide fitting. Yeah. And I was just like someone, I don't know who told me, someone was like, hey, if you want to get some uh, custom earplugs, go to the downstairs at like noon or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I yeah. went down, and you and I got to shooting the shit about hearing protection. And then, like two hours later, and hey, you want to come on the podcast? And I said you should come <laughs> on the podcast and tell everybody about what happens when this happens. Yeah. So, but back to how we met. We met. Like, how did it come to be that you came to do like for like how, who invited you to come do that? This business has been so relational driven for me. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, because of all this research I was looking at, I wanted my own family to have good hearing protection. So I started going to people's houses after you got, work and you got fitting paranoid? them. Yeah. Well, I was like, I, I want my own dad to be wearing good hearing protection, but he would Mm. not come into the medical clinic to do it. So I said, well, I'll just go to you. And then word started spreading. And then this was never part of the business plan. I never set out to create this national network of audiologists and be on this crusade for hearing protection, but it's organically gotten to that point. And it is, it has been wild and amazing to, to just be in this journey. But I'm, we met through Chef Jean-Paul, your guy that does Duck Camp Dinners, mm-hmm. the show. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, and I was introduced to him through this guy, Josh Raggio, who lives down in my neck of the woods. Raggio Custom Calls is his, like, duck call, like these couture duck calls. They're, like, art. They're amazing. But That's the so, first time anyone's ever used that word on this podcast. I've never one? even heard that word. Which couture? Word? Couture. It's like, uh, you'd be like, um, uh, what would be a couture brand? I don't know, like, like a uh, like a high end designer. Yeah, like who makes Does like, it really mean like bougie, bougie kind of bougie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful, bougie, one of a kind. You'd be couture like, like, made for you, custom couture. You have yeah, couture like hearing you protection. You bought a, um, I don't know. I think I, like in my mind, I feel it would be applied to like handbags. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like very expensive handbags. Isn't there That's a handbag company? And there's couture? juicy couture, right? There's juicy couture, there's juicy which is couture, like not. I would which is not, not call couture. that couture. No. <laughs> what is so, How do you spell it? What is so? C-O-U-T-U-R-E. Yeah. What is yeah, so? Yeah, juicy couture being not couture. Right. That's being juicy trashy. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. What's funny about you making the comparison to handbags is her and I were talking about Raggio custom calls earlier, and I said, they are like handbags for dudes. You oh. did say that. He did say that. Huh. But yeah. but so I met Raggio at a Ducks Unlimited banquet back when I was first getting started, and I'm like, hey, I'll just throw up a table and go talk to people about hearing protection at this DU banquet. Oh, no, no, back up. Because is this still how we met? Yeah. Okay, so, so, go, so that's okay. why. So, but, so that's how you got tied into the call. 
Yeah, so okay, I, so, so you're, I met, you're, you're I met still laying Raggio. out the flow. You're I laying met, out the flow. I met the duck call guy at the DU banquet. And how'd you wind up at the DU banquet? Because I'd started this little Odo Pro business and people were interested, and I was like, well, I'll just go set up a, a little table and talk to people that come to the Ducks Unlimited banquet and about how they can protect hunt? their And hearing. did you bring your little squirt gun and everything oh, yeah. for doing the. Absolutely. And I, I did it right there in the middle of the banquet. And so, so what he she came does up, is she takes a caught gun. Yeah. Sticks that thing. Where it has no business going. <laughs> it's like a, on my if, Instagram. If, if, I'm going to put a picture up where we, someone took a video of it happening to me, and I'm going to make a screen grab of the point where it got to where she wants it to be to start filling your ear full of cock to like get an like impression. Bubble, bubble I don't know if you're encouraging yeah. people to to come to me. That's for how my you know services. it works. Because let me tell you something. I a while ago, I don't want to name names, but a while ago, Yanni and I. Had the opportunity to get some. <laughs> Go custom. ahead and name a name. No, I mean I can name your name. Oh, do you remember there. you yeah, yeah, were somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They didn't do that. They didn't do the deep dive on it's your ears. Like, it's like getting a COVID test for your ear. Yeah, it I was is. gonna say exactly. if you had one of the early COVID tests where it felt like they were tickling your brain through your nose. That's Grace's caught gun. This is similar to that, but through <laughs> your ear. Now she gets I'll, a I'll deep. Say, she's taking a deep. She puts in a. What what is that shit? What are you what are you putting in there? It's like a two part epoxy type. Goes deal. in soft. Wait a couple minutes. Pulls yeah. out and it like makes a impression. Yeah. Makes a very detailed impression. Right. But she likes to. It, the impression is. It's deep. Yeah, it's deep. And it needs to go past the bend of your of the second bend of your ear canal because I want to make sure we're not shooting the sound right into your ear canal wall. I want to. I want to point that sound right to your eardrum. Yep. So and, it's not muffly. And, and it's actually more comfortable. When and if you go run deeper. around, it stays in. But it stays explain, in. explain that more. I think you just said something that made sense to me because yeah. we've been having this conversation. But yeah. if someone's listening, is like, Which what, part? What, what are they talking? What, what are you saying when you're saying, I want to shoot that sound, not just at your... At your ear canal your, wall. So yeah. your most human ears have two bends. There's a mm-hmm. first bend where it curves around, and then there's a second bend, which is why you don't want to put Q-tips in there because you're pushing stuff around the second bend. That's where it builds up. And some people are more the bendy. Company- Oh, but that's where I get how the most Q-tip wax. Still, how, Q-tip needs to hire a better lobby. Q, Q-tips. Dude, people beat up on Q-tips, but they're still Q-tips. They're still Q-tips. I use them with my to put some makeup on. Yeah, what, what about using hydrogen peroxide? Is in that, your ear? That's yeah, okay. That's good. As long as you don't have a hole in your eardrum or anything, because oh, that man, could get that works. painful. No, but it works. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Steve? Do what? You put hydrogen peroxide in your ear, and it bubbles up, and it just Basically, then you take a syringe and squirt some water in there and flushes everything out. No, man. I go down Just to the gentle. doctor. Just be gentle. Be careful. <laughs> I, I go down periodically right. and have these chunks of shit that looks like the end of a uh, no, pencil eraser. Mm-hmm. About that hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyhow, what were you saying, Justin? Yeah. Oh, no, it wasn't. But to Giannis's point. Yeah. So, um, you know, if if I don't accommodate the bends of your ear canal by by making a really deep impression and getting that full picture, then the sound is going to come through the earplug. You mean the sound that you want to come in? Right. It's going to come through the earplug. And then if, if the earplug dead ends into your ear canal wall, that's not going to sound very good. That's like putting a speaker and facing it toward the wall. We got to back up because I feel like people might be confused. Yeah. You were fitting us for hearing protection. That is, it's like it, uh, it's it's flush to your ear. The ones that, what are these called that I have? Those are the Sound Gear Phantom. Okay, it made a mold, but they're like little headphones. Yep. But earplugs. But earplugs. So when you say the sound, you're talking about that you can turn it on and control it with your phone mm-hmm. and turn the volume up. 
so that you can converse and be like, hey, here comes some That's right. ducks at 10 o'clock. And there's lots of different products. I mean, one thing I definitely want your listenership to know is that I'm by no means bound to one brand or manufacturer. The big backpack full of full of loot I brought for you guys, there were like four different companies represented in that bag. So I'm not doing like a big push for one product specifically. In fact, you know, I want a bunch of you guys to try this product. And then if it's not doing everything you want it to do, let's swap it out and try something else. I mean, Odo Pro is basically like an expert brokerage and customer service agency for your hearing long term. So like you have the Sound Gear Phantom. If something breaks, you don't have to call that 800 number. You shoot me a text or an email and myself or maybe Jennifer or somebody else on the team is going to reach out and be like, what's going on? I'll email you a prepaid UPS label. We'll get it turned around SAP. Really? So it's Odo Pro is built on a customer service basis where I am researching the globe for the coolest, best product. I brought a couple of things for you guys to try that aren't even rated in the U.S. system for noise reduction yet. But I think they're pretty promising and you might really like them. How often do you go do like you did for our for us here? How often do you go to a place in, in... Man, I've been to some cool places. And in reading your book, I kept thinking about this one really cool place where parents are raising their kids, like, ideally. But anyway, I've traveled to some of the coolest gun clubs, shooting clubs. Um, groups will call me. And, of course, I do some quick back-of-the-napkin math. And I'm like, hey, do you have at least this many people interested? You know, I need a minimum sales amount to justify travel. Is it all gun people or is it other people, too? No, it's it's guns, it's shooting, but it's also motorcycles, music. I work with a lot of mm. musicians. Oh. Because of my training in Nashville, I've got a lot of experience with inner monitors. And I can build out different cool products. Like, for one of your camera guys, I built out basically a dual-driver inner monitor that can plug into his camera. But then also putting... Matt Gagnon. They're sweet. Gagnon. Yeah, I, I didn't say it right. No, you're fine. So, uh, oh, so he does because that's one thing you see drive camera guys nuts going through the woods with uh, the wires. Yeah. So his they're like hung in. up like three alder bushes back, you know. <laughs> but then, like this other product I made for you that has this specialty filter in it, I put that into his product as well, so that he can hear what you're saying. In real life, he can hear leaves rustling, but then he's also plugged into his camera. Dude, you got to make a product called the Camera Dude. The ca- let's call it the Camera Dude. Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, something that I'm just working with with tip. my manufacturer to just custom build cool things. And then, uh, and then I was complaining. Another thing that prompted us to have you come on mm-hmm. talk about your services is I was saying how I had just gone to order a good swim earplug. Mm-hmm. And what I'm after in a swim, anyone that suffers from where you, you spend time in the water and then you have water in your ear and it drives you a little bonkers. Mm-hmm. Or I've had it, and I don't know if it's ever happened to people, but someone like kicks a fin close to your head or does a fast movement close to your head and pushes a wall of water. Mm-hmm. It's painful. Well, and your ear canals are quite bendy, as we found out. With your ear mold impression mm-hmm. process. So water can get trapped back there. It's oh, a little harder it. for it to run back yeah. out. So I went online and bought some kind of like Joe Blow $19 thing. And it mm-hmm. made a big difference. But mm-hmm. every time I get out of the water, I'm missing one or both of them. And I would just tie them to the back of my mask. And so I'd usually like recover them somehow. But they would never where they were when I started. Yeah. But I was having positive. Like I was, uh, what do you call it? Like body surfing with my kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I had them in. And um, made a big difference because I'm normally scared to do that kind of stuff because that right. sort of thing gets water in my ears. But you made me a souped up one of those. Yeah. And they're corded. And, and now that I've got your ears molded and a digital file of that, if, heaven forbid, you lose them, you just shoot me a message and I'll get you another set made. I don't have to mold your ears again. 
So that's nice. It's good stuff. But, you know, one thing, you know, these custom products, I'm a big believer in custom for hearing protection, not just for comfort, but to achieve that perfect acoustic seal. Because any air leakage, the sound waves can travel through. So to really protect you, I want you in custom ideally. But I also recognize that an entry price point of a couple of hundred bucks is not accessible to a lot of people. So one thing that I really took into account after meeting with you guys back here in March, I started really thinking, like, how do I create something that can be more accessible? You know, we said my job is to give you the most realistic tools that you'll actually wear. I'm not going to convince you to not shoot or hunt, nor do I want to. And you're not going to wear a full body armor to like (laughs) have ideal hearing protection. So I started thinking and I decided I can put these filters that are in this product I made for you where you can hear soft, medium sounds great. Then it blocks the blast of the gun. But those are out the door 330 some odd bucks. I'm going to take that exact filter. This is going to be available beginning of next month on my website. And I'm putting those into multiple size triple flange sleeves to make a universal fit version that's just 50 bucks. And then they're big plus, they are upgradable to custom later. So you could go to my website and you could order a custom fit sleeve later if you want to, if you want to save up some money. How do do they get it? How do you get it uh, molded? Yeah. So I send that kit in the mail? No, no, because you can't do it yourself like I did it on you. No, I wouldn't. So I've got this growing network. Right now we're up to about 160 (laughs) providers across the country and we're sourcing new clinics daily where I work with local audiologists to you down the street from wherever you live. And I, I talk with them, develop a relationship so that they know exactly how I want that molding process done. So we can communicate. You can check out on the website and then I send you the UPS label and facilitate that whole appointment locally for you to get your ears molded. Mm. One of the biggest reasons I wanted to get nice customs, yeah, which I now I've owned for two hours. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely lazy. I've gotten to the point where I'll go to the range and bring headphones, but I just won't do it hunting. Mm -hmm. Maybe duck hunting, if I know it's going to be a stellar day, I'll do it. But it still drives me nuts. And I'll put headphones on. I've never found something that inspires me to do it. And my buddy Cal got some. And he said once he had them, and he's like, man, all that hassle. I'm definitely going to wear them now. Like that, like some pragmatic side of Like a motivating factor. Yeah. Now Now, anytime you do anything with Cal, He's got those things hanging around his neck. Yeah. And he sticks them in. And I just won't do it. And last year, Garrett there rang it. Hey, oh my Did he God. ring your bell? He's got a little, yeah. what's it called? A big, you had a big fat, bastard. Fat bastard break on there. Fat bastard break yeah. on. Shot three times. I kept thinking he was done shooting and he kept shooting. We were like, dude, right I was hurting for a pine week. Tree too. I think, it, I think it echoed off that pine tree. Oh, and I was sitting too close oh to my you. God. And I didn't want to plug my ears because I was looking through my binoculars. We both had our <laughs> ear pro just sitting on our backpacks, you yeah, know. But I it was a typical it. thing. You're like, oh, we got to move now. Like, we don't have time to put this in. And, oof. Well, those, and, those days are over bad. for me now. And you know, man. as I'm, as I'm like, I now consider myself your personal hearing coach. So you're welcome. Here we go. But as I'm, as I'm talking to you guys, I'm really going to encourage you to try to wear these as much as you can, just to get used to them, so that when you put them on and you're in the moment and you're in the hunt and you need to focus, I don't want you to have to remember in that moment. Oh, I got to put my ears in before I shoot. Yeah. Because you're not going to remember. No. Well, I'm, I'm but if committed you can get to used changing to them, it because when I do, I've done two hearing tests. Each time I do a hearing test. The person conducting the hearing test says, I'm a left-handed shooter, I'll mm-hmm. point out. They say that in your right ear, which makes sense because that's the one tipped toward the muzzle, Yeah, that I have hearing damage in my right ear that is the type of hearing damage associated with like 
loud noises. Yes. So I know that I've whacked out my own ear. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that other people hear gobbles better than I do. <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> well, I'll and be I curious want... to see, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've thrown this, this really high-end technology at you guys to try as a starting point. Yeah. But you might find that if you don't want to have to remember to charge something, then that's something we're going to be talking about, like how these different features work for you, because I may need to swap it out for a simpler battery-operated version. Or, you know, there's it's not a one-size-fits, like... You know, I don't want these listeners to be like, oh, I want whatever Chester has or I want whatever Steve has because different people are going to have different adoption rates for different technologies. I got an apology I got to make to you. Okay. I wanted mine red on the right. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. And I said, because it'll be like I'm a boat, Mm -hmm. red, right, returning. Mm -hmm. Do you know I was wrong? It's right. It's red, right from the person looking at it. Ah. It's Stage right versus. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So. Your boat, if I'm the boat, the red would be in my left, and then you're looking at me, and you think, right? Yeah. That's one of those situations where ignorance is bliss, Steve. (laughs) Just go with red right. Red right. So I have one of of mine's red, one's blue. I look, I'm like, red right. I put that in my ear, and I know where the other one goes. I I went with red right, too. Oh, you did? I did, did too. Yeah. A lot of you guys did red blue. A lot of them did orange. I just did. There's nothing to, you can't orange right. I think. Just, hey, you know you can't heart? physically put the right one in the left ear. I mean, you're going to be trying for a while. Just did the same color? Yeah. That's so stupid. He did both red. <laughs> you're t- I'll tell you why. <laughs> this guy's never going to figure it out. Tell you why. I lose things a lot, and I just wanted two things that I could see. I feel like the red sticks out a little more than the blue. Well, you're going to be fiddling around. By the time you get those in, the animal's going to be gone. You can just look <laughs> and be like, oh, that one's right, that one's left. That might be a product you want to work into your the $50 version because the one I used to use a lot as a guide is I had those Howard Light, um, the band that would just yeah. sit on my neck and they're just those little foamies. And then in the moment, you can just, you know, pop them in real quick. Another, yeah, bu- another buddy of mine that- has the little foamies that are on the cord and he ties them into his sunglasses that are, he's always wearing them. Yeah, uh, Grace, there. Grace isn't big into the little foamies. No, I mean, if, well, if that's all you have, they can protect than, you really nothing. well, yep. but it's just nobody wears them correctly. If right. I see someone wearing foamies correctly, it's like, I want to go give them a high five. Listen, I've been oh. pr- preaching and carrying on your message about foamies since we last hung out. I bet you I've Thank taught you. at least a dozen people how to properly insert a foamy now. I mm. love that. Mm-hmm. Because truly, at the end of the day, when people contact me through my website or social, whatever, and if, if they're just not going to purchase anything else, then you know what? I'll at least show you how to wear foam earplugs correctly. Yeah. And then eventually, when you're ready, you're going to come back and, and we'll, we'll work something out. But like, my job is to help people protect their hearing. Give everybody and, a hot tip right now. Help them out. They're all listening. Right, you're going to roll up that foam earplug to be just as narrow and skinny as you can. Got it. Tight. You're tight. You're going to pull back on the, on the back of your ear to straighten out your ear canal and then put it in just as far as you can stand it. You should like cough a like little bit a in the t- back like of your Like it's a Q-tip. Like, <laughs> or not, because you would never do that with a Q-tip. But so but you far do that, you're wondering like, will I be able to grab the tip of it to pull it back you out? You will. You will. I know, but that in my oh, head, I'm really? always you're like, thinking about it. Like you're lose it in there. Yeah. But the <laughs> thing is, you, you got to be patient. You can't just let go real quick. You got to hold it in that position to let it fully expand. Yeah. 
yeah. so that it'll stay put. Because with those foamies, as you move your jaw around, as you mount your gun, you're moving your head around, it's going to wiggle its way out. It's constantly kind of moving in there. Yeah. It's amazing the difference it's, when you do it right versus really? how I used to do it. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I always do it in a way that as soon as I take one step, it's gone. The only, pro- <laughs> the only problem with that is you do not have enough time to put those in in most applications in hunting. Unless no. you're like duck hunting, you can like... Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Yeah. But you don't want to blow a duck call in solid earplugs, right? I mean, Sean's like, no. Nope. Well, then you can't tell what's going on. Well, yeah, right. you want to be able to hear your duck call. Yeah, yeah. And so even with these Telling electronics where I get the I get the best response from my duck hunters with these electronics. Because they can still hear. Because they can still hear, but you still have to practice. Like some of my best duck calling clients have coached people to record themselves calling with and without the hearing protection in. Huh. Because we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's almost like a musical instrument. Um, I can play my eighth grade piano recital piece from just muscle memory. But if I'm learning a new song, it's auditory. Yep. You know, you're yep. really paying attention to how it sounds. And with a lot of duck callers, it's a mix of those two things. And so you're, you really need to get the muscle memory part down so that, I mean, while you're still going to hear it through the earplugs, it's, nev- it's never going to sound the same. And that's a, I mean, that's something that, that was a way that I got to be not just like a tolerable or decent duck caller, but to get to be a real advanced duck caller Mm -hmm. is to record yourself and hear yourself from a different perspective Mm because it's never the same as how it sounds right here. Same thing with playing music. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You got to record yourself, listen to it back. And by the way, duck calls can get up to 120 decibels. So, and when you talk about the... You can damage your ears blowing a duck call? Absolutely. I'm sure I have. <laughs> I mean, I think duck duck hunters are some of the most at risk because you are, you're down in those, sometimes like a metal pit blind, you're blowing duck calls and then you're shooting a lot. And, and somebody's all of a sudden shooting over your head. Very close to somebody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shooting a gun. Yeah. Grace, tell, yes. us, how, tell us how uh, bad my hearing is and how good Seth's hearing is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're hearing... We did a quick test before the podcast started. I'm not going to say I was surprised by your hearing test results, though. Honestly. I mean, you've you've got... As a, a 44-year-old <laughs> male that's done some shooting right? and some construction. All right, I'll show everyone. All right, this is Giannis's hearing test. Oh, that dips way low. Wow. Uh, we're just going to assume that you've signed all the HIPAA releases and I can talk about your medical (laughs) hearing on the on the podcast but you want everything to be above that black horizontal line you see there wow yeah and this this is this is an audiogram (laughs) it's arranged from left to right based to treble like a piano keyboard top of the graph is really soft sounds and then it gets louder and louder as you move down the graph so these are your hearing thresholds the softest sounds that you could detect were present Mm -hmm. and so you can see in your left ear which is blue in some of these higher pitches. Oh, his shooting ear is way down. His shooting ear is way down. And those are the higher pitches. Yeah, and we would call this a noise notch from shooting, where like the the those are the hair cells that we talked about mm-hmm. earlier that have been the most damaged. Yeah, and he's gonna and get you've got some. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> that's so wrong. You might have to edit that out. That was so wrong. Um, you don't even try to be politically correct. It's interesting here. though that his goes that. back up. Like it, it, it does. Drops it, down. That's the that's the notch component. So a lot of times with with a with a blast or like if a musician has like a big feedback exposure, it'll present as a notch. Really? Where, yeah, yeah, and you'll see a little bit of recovery. Let's see like Seth's this. little version. So, a little so the left there. one is worse than the right. The left is worse the right than the right. Just barely breaks the line. This should be a way where you can prove how much shooting you do. All right, this <laughs> is Seth. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. 
No wonder he hears those good. gobbles. Beautiful. That's right there is where I hear the gobbles, where that, that one goes up. Seth can hear a gobble like you wouldn't believe. I mean, he has excellent hearing. And he's not jumpy, so he doesn't do false alarms. Is he younger than everybody? Oh, no, not, Chester. not younger. Yes, Chester. Chester's the youngest. Those Let me see Chester's ears. ears. All right, let's can see. You, uh, will you be able to send us those pictures, Sure, files? I can send them to you for sure. Um, Chester, you're doing pretty good, too. Let me see. Everything's above the line. Left and right ear are about the same. Yeah, Chester can hear a walleye. What, was I the closest to Seth? <laughs> I think I was probably he the closest He hears a walleye take a Let leech, me look yours up, Sean. Sean, you're good, too. I mean, you're... Yeah, look at that. Which Other than surprising. that very last I guess he doesn't point. do that much ears. hunting. I was oh. really surprised <laughs> yeah. by Here his. he is always acting like he hunts a lot of ducks, but uh, so, figures don't lie. <laughs> so <laughs> was Giannis, did Giannis go lower than I did then? Well, let, Yeah, Garrett's got a bad shooting dip. Let me see here. Hold on a sec. Garrett, oh, yours is pretty bad too. Let me see his. There's Garrett, left ear, left ear down. Oh man, look at that body. Oh, look at the look on his face. Giannis was lower though. He looks so sad. That's a three gun shooter for you. Yeah, that's a that's like a (laughs) that's like an ad. Yeah, that's an ad for muzzle brakes, man. Your right ear still looks really good, and you just want to make sure you protect (laughs) what you've got. You know, like you can you can hold this steady. If you can be really intentional. Yeah. But that shouldn't be only directed at Garrett and I, just because we're already at a sad point <laughs> no, in our hearing. We, like, those, oh. those that have great hearing should be even more careful. Yeah, Seth's little virtual Absolutely. ears Absolutely. We're all clean, about, man. like, I want to prevent and delay the problems that I spent so many years treating clinically. Yep. Because it is so preventable. And so much of the medical community is like, oh, treat early with hearing aids, hearing aids earlier. Well, I mean, the hearing aid industry is what it is. I say, move away, get out from under the dollar signs of the hearing aid industry. If we we want to be the hearing healthcare experts. We got to go to where people are, get out in front of the problem, start the relationship with an audiologist and a hearing care professional before the problem starts. Okay. As I was saying, where's your graph? Here's the thing. Did you not finish the test? He no, did. I, did. I think I he did cheated be- the I system. I did good. I think he cheated the system. This, this, this. Because uh, I did better on that than I did on my other two hearing tests. Which your other two hearing tests, it sounds like we're in the legit sound booth, the full diagnostic hearing test. And they were alarmed. This is they a, were just saying you have some. What I brought you guys is a hearing screening tool that's built into a headset. And while it does a very good job and I've seen some good consistent results, it's not as as definitive as what's going to be in a sound booth. Okay. As I was saying. Well, just like as they you're say, saying, you can't trust a skinny chef. I don't think you could trust like someone in the hunting industry <laughs> that doesn't have some hearing loss. All right, I'll leave it at that. You're very, <laughs> then you're very trustworthy. As I was saying. <laughs> you're never going to invite me back because it's going no, so I, no, long. No, no, no. I, you, you come back the minute you make the turkey no, gobble thing. He's been great. Thank he's you. just mad at me now. I'm just mad at Yanni. You've been great. You're going to make the turkey gobble thing. I just wanted to clarify a point. Okay. I have like nothing in the game here. True. You came to provide a service to equip us with the hearing protection. Friend of a friend of a friend introduced, yeah. I uh, learned so much and liked it. I have concern for other shooters. I know how frustrating it is to not hear gobbles when other people can hear the gobbles or elk bugles, what mm-hmm. have you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like people should, um, because you're, uh, you know, you're fun to hang out with. You know all the terminology. You got the product line. People should call up and get some freaking earplugs. Thank you. I appreciate that. Odo Pro. OdoProTechnologies.com. Grace something or another. 
<laughs> Grace Sturdivant. Sturdivant. You, Sturdivant. <laughs> Sturdivant. Sturdivant. <laughs> Just call me Grace Gore. My parents will appreciate it. Yeah. Who's, uh, whose uh, maiden name was Grace Gore? My maiden name was Grace Gore. Grace Sturdivant. You can call me Odo Pro Grace. Grace. I'll go. I'll be like Cher or Dr. Madonna. Grace? Just That's call great. me Grace. Yeah, Miss Tennessee, some... 1996. Hey, not that long ago, 2007. 2007. <laughs> oh, sorry. Someone said. I thought weren't we talking? Your age. 2000s? How old do you think I? Don't answer that. No, we're talking about 96. I you and I were don't answer that. We're talking about don't the 90, 96. Was when the Yellowstone peaked. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, apparently, I need to up my skincare regime. <laughs> See, I told you he's already got the. Uh, you know, I don't want to say it, but it's already happening to him. Oh, you called it. Oh, you already called it. To no, him. I. I really appreciate you. Guys guys having me never did I dream when I started this little business at my kitchen table in 2018 that I'd be sitting here with a national audience in this big network and actually I truly believe that I'm helping to change the conversation about hearing protection so thank you to close Yanni hit him with a far off bugle <whistles> you want to be able to hear that get some earplugs Ooh, you got to reply, uh, Yanni. <laughs> can, I, can I give you something to read on the air? No. I think it's a great closing. Well, how long is it? Very short. That's Phil. <laughs> At this point, Phil. At this point, that's <laughs> too right. late, Phil. All right. This is Jennifer, who works with Odo Pro. She's yeah. our client coordinator. Her son nearly well, had say, a heart attack. If she writes attack. on one of those kind of papers, no. you got a problem. Her son is such a huge <laughs> fan of all of you guys. He knows all your names. He was so just, I mean, he couldn't believe that I was coming here. And he, I went by their house to pick up something. He handed me this to give to you. And I thought it was so well written. Okay, I'm reading from one of these pieces of papers. His name kids is Liam have. Stewart. The piece of paper kids get where it's got all the lines so you can make your penmanship perfect. Dear Mr. Steve, I like this guy already. <laughs> I love your TV shows. My favorite show is about bow fishing. I have never done that, but I hope I get to do that one day. I like to hunt and fish so I can be like my dad and grandfather. Listen to Miss Grace so you can keep teaching me a few things. Keep, keep teaching me new things. That's great. From Liam Stewart, age seven. And he included his address. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you want to send him a book. Or something. Uh, the line about listen to Miss Grace so you can keep teaching me sure, new things. That's the pinnacle right there. I think that's pretty sweet. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to deck.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer. 
So much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. 